You are about to opt in to Mineratopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Alrighty. How's Wait, it hold going? On my, where's my mic or my headphones? Sounds no, you're doing mine. Good morning. Good morning. Now we're trying it Cheers. on this angle. I don't know if you saw last week's episode. I was on that side. He was on this side. Making progress. Right. Iterating. Iterating. We're just keeping you on your oh. Don't touch the table. The camera's oh, moving too camera much. <laughs> uh, anybody that's listening in on the Twitter spaces, you could listen in live on Sydney in particular. Really? Like kind of <laughs> and weird. the price report. And the development. Development, and all, the news. You can see it all. You can see and it all. Or you can stay here and listen. Uh, and we'll be jumping in in the spaces later to do a little Q and A with our with our guest, who we have on today, Ruben. Ruben Firo. From Firo. Woohoo! They'll be at MoneroCon, so we're bringing them on. Uh, I'm Monero Monero <laughs> will, will they be at MoneroCon too? I do not I know. know. That'll be one of my questions. <laughs> uh, we will be at MoneroCon, and also if you got your tickets yet? You should, my friends. Yeah, I just put it's that Reddit post up this morning. What did it say? Would you like to go off on a rant? <laughs> Let me again? read the, the guys. It was five hundred word Reddit post. I'm just trying to get some, you know, action out there. Like last year when we did the event, I was just blown away when we went down to Miami and we ran into Monero people that didn't know Monero Topia was going. Right? Yes, yes. So I just don't want that to be. I don't think it like, will if be. You don't want to come to Monero Topia. That's one thing. But for people to not know about it, like, <laughs> we're doing something wrong, right? Like we're doing come something on. Wrong. if you're into Monero, you don't know it exists. This is true. Yeah. That's All right, let's put the post up on Reddit. Uh, anybody out there, just give it some give it some likes. And yeah, let's go over the I see Zab on here. What's going on, man? I see him in the spaces. Yeah, he's the uh I know him from, from Haven when we were talking about uh Haven. Oh, okay, okay. What's going on, man? He's requesting to speak. Yeah, Zab, right the way we do this show is we broadcast it live on YouTube and then we just uh simultaneously stream it in here. So uh, we'll have people up on stage later. And, uh, stay I'll, tuned. Bring, I'll bring you up on stage, which is not going to be for like another be hour from now. Yeah, <laughs> be, like, patient. be patient. You have a lot going but if on. you want to view the show, you can see it on YouTube. It's a long show. Shows are longer than others, but hopefully this will be as long. <laughs> well, it can't be because we got things. Well, to we, do. Got, we, we got to go. We got to go. Yeah. But I guess in the meantime, let's just quickly talk about the conference because uh, we added a few more things onto the website. Sure. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? <laughs> If you haven't, uh, VIP tickets have been sold out. I know we talked about that last week. Um, we mentioned that we were going to cap it and we did because we just have a lot. Everyone that's buying tickets, we're basically buying the VIP. So sorry guys. Everybody can't buy it. Tough luck. I don't know. It's no longer VIP. Exactly. (laughs) Imagine everyone. So sorry. Those are sold out, but obviously the regular admission is still available. It's Um, just as good. The only thing you don't get is the speaker dinner. Yeah. That's the only thing we're going to be enjoying all. The days, we're enjoying May 5th, 6th, and 7th. The welcome party, enjoying all the talks, which I think are going to start at 8.30 in the morning and end. Not sure yet. We're still figuring out. As late as, we, as late as as they late let as us go. 
We have a lot of content, guys. We have a lot of content. A lot of content. And we have other people still reaching If you guys survived last year's, this is another one. We're we're testing this. Well, it's going to be very much like last year in that it's a marathon, except instead of one day, it's it's three. three So I don't know, actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you'll survive. I don't know if you'll survive. We'll stand there. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Like, you know, know, we're going to have the... uh, the vendors there, hopefully they'll be selling, you know, as Collins. We'll have DJs going. Right? Didn't we just add a DJ this week? Yeah, we, we did. Have two G- um, DJs. We DJ. Uh, let's see. Well, let's go through it, obviously. So uh, we still haven't changed the time, but we will. It looks good. But it looks great. Bang dung. Yeah. Thank you very Stepped much. Up to the plate. All the speakers. Took we've already gone through Manurba. them. Any new speakers? Um, uh, we're, we're still in the works. We're going to be adding more privacy tech projects. Um, we got Zano, we got Oxen, we got Particle, we got Fero, we got DarkFi, <laughs> LunarDAO, we Panther, got Nim. Panther, LunarDAO. Um, we added Daniel into the workshop professor. Pirate Chain just reached out to oh us. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yep. I mean, we're trying to be and, open as inaccessible as possible. So, yeah, why not? And, uh, yeah, to top it off, we're very excited to announce that uh, CakeWallet and Slashman.com is going to be our stage sponsor. Very excited about that. We and knew they'd come it. through. We, we knew, knew, we knew it. We knew. Let, let's, let's give, give a- them a round of applause. I don't, uh, hey. <laughs> All right. I usually have to be like that's not super loud. Yeah. It will shock people. But there you go. Yay. We love cake. We love Vic. Um, but no, this is huge because, you know, there's a lot of pre- We're taking a lot of risk here. So, you know, this is, this is all on us. We didn't raise, you know, we didn't raise funds from the community to do this. This is all on us. So it's, it's a business venture. If you don't get enough sponsored, we get nailed. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're doing, we're doing okay. I mean, the content's all there. It's amazing. And, you know, the risk really is because we made tickets super cheap, but. It's worth it. We want people, especially the local. We want to get locals involved so we can onboard this sponsorship. It gives us leeway. It's going to allow us to do that without having to worry with every decision, <laughs> with every decision we make. <laughs> and then we also Absolutely. have, you know, all, all the privacy tech, not all, most, well, all the privacy tech projects that are giving talks, um, or have tables. They, they gave us sponsorship fees as well. So a huge thank you to them as well. Uh, they're making this conference possible. That was part of the, the thinking, right? If we were going to involve all these other privacy tech projects who are, you know, using our platform to get the word out. Uh, we knew there might be some people in the Monero community that would be fans of that, right? Say Monero only. Although we haven't gotten that, that feedback at all, well, really. Jinx it, right? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the only it. one that's saying, but part of the reason to, you know, we wanted to justify that, it but... was that they would help fund the conference what happened okay, thank you to, thank you to our speakers thank you to our media partners also we also rise to liberties and we have a few that we need to add more and the, another performer dj we'll um, add him well we're adding him. we didn't put all the speakers up yet yeah. either i mean we have we have way more content than we can handle so we're thinking of maybe making a second stage or on the first day for the welcome party that might be a welcome party slash the beginning of the conference where we have like three talks take place just so we can fit everybody in. So maybe there'll be some of more of the lighthearted, uh, you know, they won't be like the super technical talks, more of the big vision, speaking, philosophical talks. Dancing, so DJs, those might happen on all over the place on day, on uh, day zero, day one, um, during the welcome party just to fit everything. But yeah, guys, it's awesome. It's awesome. We're keep really excited to see it. Keep spreading the word and get your, if you still haven't, um, and does that, Want to help out? Please reach out, MoneroTopia.protonmail.com. We'll give you a free ticket um, to help us out, basically. Oh, yeah, volunteers. Volunteers, please. We need them. We need, them. Um, we need help the day of. So. 
or day of the four to three days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, anybody that's interested in being a media partner or vendor sponsor, please reach out to. Yeah. Continue to reach out. Even speakers, because we'll, we can figure something we're, out. We're trying to figure that out. Yeah. Like if you had us, we, 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 some of them we are going to be lightning talks. We might a floating stage. I don't know. <laughs> some of the speakers <laughs> might this be. This one, anything is possible. <laughs> might be 10 minute lightning talks so we can fit a bunch in. So we already have a Again, few people in that category. Brace your, we in Mexico be excited about. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I think anything else you want to talk about? Oh, keep it moving. All right. So other than that, anything else you want to rant about or? Bent anything else? Just giving you. I have things that are running moment. through my yeah. mind, but you know what? I'm going to opt out. Yeah, let, let's, let's, let's. Better not, not to. <laughs> so let's move on to the price report. <laughs> let's do that right now. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer to peer. Aloha, body. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good morning. Good, good. good moving man. along. How about you? Oh, I'm good. I was I was excited to hear Doug's rant, but you're holding out. Please <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> he has lots to say. I'm good. He doesn't stop. Anybody I was on Reddit just now trying to find the post you're talking about. Oh, oh put it in yeah, the, we just the put comments. It up, uh, this morning. All right, I'll check it out later, well, so that I can avoid also random. Denied because I put it up as a question. Apparently, you can't put questions on on Reddit. Yeah, on it's our, very strange. Our, so, because I posted hmm. it as, "Are you going to Monerotopia?" and it labeled it, but now it's up. You have to use sub- suggestive programming. You are going to Monerotopia. Exactly. <laughs> then they would leave it up. <laughs> but uh, take it away, man. Another, oh, another big week. You know, I, yeah, it was kind of a big week. You know, I had one more um, one idea about Monerotopia. Um, finding a hacker garage might be useful because it seems like people that like Bitcoin or into crypto hang out at hacker garages sometimes. And I'm sure in Mexico City, I mean, there's like 20 million people there. There's got to be some crypto and Bitcoin meetups, so... Um, I might go down there and just try and, uh, I don't know, infiltrate <laughs> some of the meetups and okay. uh, hand out some cards and see if people want to come. Yeah, well, actually, now you remind me. So we're going to be down there oh, March March 8th. 9th. Let me write that down. March 9th. Yeah, March 9th. Because we want to make sure everything's sorted out with the venue and the restaurant and all, everything else we got going on. And then additionally, we're going to throw a meetup down there. We're going to throw a Monero meetup yeah, at the, the Bitcoin Embassy. That's so cool. Right in line with what you're talking about. So I guess they have a lot of crypto meetups there at the Bitcoin Embassy Bar. And we're working with the Decred uh, guy on that. He's helping us out. What's the Decred guy? Elion. Elion. Yeah, yeah he he's, he's local to Mexico ago. City. Very nice guy. He's helping us do that. So hopefully we'll, we'll get some people to come out and yes. uh, give away some free tickets there in exchange for trying to get locals to help us onboard other little wear. Is the Bitcoin Embassy Bar, is that like, um, is that related to Start9? The, uh, the embassy I node? I don't think so. I don't think it's related. Okay. It's the Bitcoin bar in Mexico City. Yeah. I don't know. It could be. It could be related. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, everyone that's, uh, I mean, I think it was already said, but if you're on Twitter and you want to see the charts instead of just uh, listening to a bunch of jibber jabber, definitely recommend tuning into YouTube at 720p. And uh, yeah, let's get started. Um, so we had some surprising, maybe not too surprising results this week. Um Let's go ahead and go all the way to crypto. We'll start with crypto. So to me, the uptrend still looks like it's intact, but, um, you know, we kind of have a ceiling across the board. And at this moment in particular, I'm more uncertain about this pump, about this rally than I have been at any time since it started. So we really wanted to break through uh, this level right here. We really wanted to try and get above that 25K. 
it's definitely posing us uh, significant resistances uh, here on Bitcoin. I've tried to draw these lines as many different ways as I possibly can, and I think this is probably the best way to draw it. Just a very simple um, sort of ascending channel here with the splitter in the middle. I'm not too concerned yet, but um, I did bounce out of a shitcoin or two just to um, just in the anticipation that maybe we're going to have more downside. Um, I was fairly confident, if you remember last week, that uh, you want to keep your chips in play. And for the most part, I have, but I felt like it was worth taking some profit and then waiting for a better reentry. I started to lose confidence somewhere around uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. I think I posted about it on Twitter. So for those of you that are interested in price updates, um, definitely follow me on Twitter because I'll put out midweek stuff. And when it comes to price, things can change very quickly. You can you can see something that looks nice, it's setting up well, and then uh, some kind of invalidation pattern shows up, and it's like, oh crap, okay, well we might need to pull back. So, um, anyways, I'm you know we've still got this nice uptrend here. I would really start to become concerned uh, right around this area um, if hypothetically that broke down. Now. One of the reasons that I'm not totally concerned as of yet is because this move is not too unexpected. So we're looking at the dollar index right now. And I was kind of expecting that we would actually make it down to this very, uh, this is a decades long trend line. This trend line starts back in 2011. So I was kind of expecting that we would actually maybe kind of touch that area. Now we've got a wick right into that area. And you can see where this uh, horizontal line is drawn because of there. Uh, and then right here, although right here, you wouldn't exactly say that's the most natural place to draw the line. So. That horizontal line is kind of more like a reference point than exactly a hard um, resistance or support. But at any rate, if we go down to the lower time frame here, this is a four hour now. Um, you know, when we kind of broke through this right here, uh, this downtrending line, you know, that was kind of a sign that uh, that this breakout might happen. So at this point, it does look to me like we're going to continue up. Uh, Dixie's going to probably come to this very, very long trend line up here. Again, get a feel for that. It's basically the splitter on this decades long, a decade and a half long trend line for the dollar index. So I do expect it will probably come up and touch that splitter. In a lot of ways, this kind of is a good thing because it really gives the markets time to digest and consolidate that big move that happened for the past two months. And it does kind of make sense that the markets might need to do that, that people are still uncertain. Personally, I haven't seen a ton of bullish sentiment out there, a little bit here and there, but a lot of the personalities that I see um, on YouTube and Twitter, they're all still kind of like very, very hesitant. And we probably should be like, we're not out of the woods yet. Um, so yeah, the short story is that uh, the markets to me are fairly uncertain. I'm not exactly quite sure what to do. I've taken some profit. I'm going to probably try and get back in. Um, and then if it breaks to the downside, then I'll just have to take a small loss on that. Um, but since I bought low, uh, for example, since, you know, as you guys know, I was kind of recommending to buy in this area right here. It's still easy to hang on to a trade right here because even coming down to here, even breaking down there, um, that's still in profit. So it's a good example of why you want to try and get into the markets at, at the best time that you can. Um, but it is difficult, right? It's, it's not an easy game to play. So the other thing we can look at are these reverse repos. So um, if you remember last week, I said I maybe kind of suspect that this might be a little bit of a floor down here that looks slightly like a bottoming pattern. Uh, well, that does seem to have been the case, and we've kind of gone up to the 100-day moving average now. Uh, this could very easily just kind of sit here for a moment and then come back down. And that would kind of be in line with what we were talking about on Dixie over here. So, again, expecting Dixie to continue going up, which was sort of correlated when Dixie was going up for the, the bear market in crypto and stocks. Uh, we had the uh, reverse repos were also going up at the same time, kind of flattened out. And then look like they're trying to start a downtrend. This, this definitely does look like the beginning of a downtrend. Um, but, you know, things... 
things in the markets can move a lot slower than, than you might realize. It's kind of funny. It's something that I've had to learn over the past couple of years is that you can see something's going to happen. Like, like say, um, the fall of 2020, like we all know the bull market is coming, but Bitcoin, for example, still hadn't broken out to above 20,000. We know it's coming. And so people tend to be impatient because they kind of get a sense for where the market is going. And they're like, well, why doesn't it just get there now? And uh, personally, I've had to, to learn that markets do tend to move a lot more slowly than uh, than we might realize. And then it's punctuated by these very sharp movements. So um, gold also is still slightly continuing this downtrend with everything else. Um, I guess that's I guess that's kind of to be expected if the rest of risk markets are going down. Gold tends to be somewhat correlated. Uh, we can take a look at the Z-scores as well, and you can see the dollar index in green here has been going up. Well, basically everything else has been going down, including bonds. Um, so here with bonds, it does look like uh, the 10-year yield is going to try and break out of this horizontal area right here. Um, again, the markets are pricing in a higher rate, a higher ultimate terminal rate for the Federal Reserve uh, than they were even just a couple months ago. Uh, and then oil is still trending in the channel. Nothing special going on here. Let's go to a larger time frame so you can see that easier. Yeah, so basically just still trending in this channel, which is good. We, we don't want to see anything crazy there. Um, we did get some hot numbers when it comes to like manufacturing. Um, oh, I can't remember which one it was. It was like ISM or something. It, it was essentially related. It's like a precursor to inflation or something that relates to inflation. And it did come in a bit hotter. So I think um, part of this is people are speculating that, well, maybe the Fed is going to have to keep raising uh, farther than they, than they originally stated. Uh, but who knows, right? Okay, so we've got the S&P 500 here. And basically, we're kind of testing this bear market trend line. You can see I drew two of them. This gives us kind of a zone of resistance and support. So right now, this is acting as support. And this is kind of like the do or die line. If this thing breaks, um, it's very likely that a lot of people are going to just panic sell. Um, and we're going to see another big sell-off uh, down towards the bottom of this area here. Um, but it hasn't broken yet, and there's still a very good chance that it could hold. So the ideal scenario for crypto stocks and Monero at this moment is for this to hold and just to kind of quickly come out here and then, you know, start start our way back up. If that happens, then you're very going to likely see something like, so Alt-H, there we go. Um, we're very likely going to see some kind of like ceiling here um, that's going to get broken. We're kind of seeing a ceiling across the board. So the SSE composite is also called the Shanghai composite. It's basically looking at a composite of all the China stocks, um, you know, kind of like we have the S&P or the Dow or something like that for American stocks, which sort of summarizes what's happening in the markets. Uh, that's what the Shanghai index is. So you can kind of see they're also dealing with sort of this like flat top right here. You know, they can't really this, this horizontal area of significance is still kind of getting problems. I've been watching this. I actually was hoping for the first half of last week that um, that we would get a very clear breaking of this pattern. Right. If we could get up here, break this pattern to the upside. That would have been a very clear signal that the rest of risk markets in the United States and and crypto was ready to start going. Um, but that did not happen. And so we're kind of still stuck in this uh, this ascending wedge right here. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Um, again, nothing is really broken down here. Nothing is as terrible as happened. Um, I'm still in my broad huddle positions. Um, you know, we just might have to be a bit more patient. And, you know, you really have, especially if you're a trader and especially at a time like right now, um, I like to be on the markets. I like to make sure I keep track of them every day. I've got kind of a separate monitor where I've got some charts pulled up all the time. Um, so I can just sort of uh, get a feel for how price is moving. That even helps with like understanding the dynamics of price. Um, if you're if you're a trader, just seeing it kind of hour by hour, minute by minute, by minute um, 
seeing it like that helps you to kind of understand the feel for how the market is. And that is intuitive and it is a very dangerous thing to trade off of intuition alone. Uh, but it can be helpful. So, right. It's a, it's a signal and you just have to understand, um, how to use it and how not to get carried away with it. Uh, let's look at total as well. We skipped over that. Total looks almost exactly the same as Bitcoin. Um, it's actually an easier chart to draw this, this entire, uh, wedge pattern. Sort of a, sort of a broadening structure really. Uh, but this pattern is a lot easier to draw than Bitcoin. This, um, middle line right here, uh, intersects a lot more likely areas. Whereas like the Bitcoin middle line uh, intersects, you know, like you could draw this a few different ways, right? You could maybe try and draw that right there. Um, so uh, it, it, it's funny when big movements happen, people start trying to draw lines and the, the early lines are always very unreliable. So you have to be very willing to redraw your lines um, as time goes forward and the pattern develops uh, further. So um, we talked about Ethereum versus Bitcoin um, last week as well. And let's go to the longer time frame. This is the daily. And... Despite the fact that it's technically broken down from this rising line, it's actually surprisingly uh, holding up fairly well. So um, on in about three days, they're going to release Shanghai on uh, their last testnet. They have three testnets, and they're going to release this Shanghai, which is going to unlock everyone's stakes. So that should be bearish for Ethereum, but perhaps a lot of this uh, ratio bearishness for Ethereum versus Bitcoin was people just front-running that. So... Um, for all we know, it could be like some small spike down after that happens, followed by another quick recovery as people realize that um, uh, that they're free to stake wherever they want. And they even have something called Rocket, which is like their own version of Pete's Pool. And I think they've already got like, I want to say it's like 6 or 8, 10%, something like that in their um, in their version of Pete's Pool. So I know a lot of people hate Ethereum, but uh, I have to cover it just because it's really where... The big TradFi, a lot of the money is going to be flowing into Ethereum, so we, we're just going to have to keep track of that because um, it's my belief that it's eventually going to flip Bitcoin, probably the next bull market. So um, all that DeFi craziness, round two is coming, right? It all basically kind of worked. Yeah, there was a bunch of scams, but uh, there's no way to avoid that. Uh, but all the stable coins, and I think everyone saw Coinbase, for example, released some kind of layer two on Ethereum, which is going to be centralized and stupid, but there are other layer twos on Ethereum that aren't quite so bad. Um so just, um, again, just know that's coming. I just want all my Monero peeps to understand the broader um, dynamics of what's happening in the market here. Okay, so now finally to Monero. And we're basically looking at um, kind of staying in that same sideways triangle that we've been in for, for quite a while, for basically the whole bear market. Uh, we've beaten that first resistance. It's That looks good. I, I don't think that we're going to fall below that. Um, these kind of other horizontal areas of significance right here at uh, 134, 141. Um, and, you know, those are approximate areas it's not it's not like a hard and fast area it's just i use that for kind of visual reference uh so that's what the daily looks like we still haven't broken out of the final big boss daddy um uh bear market resistance line but uh basically oh you know i forgot to show you guys the longer term i'm sorry schizophrenia here i'm gonna go back to bitcoin and total really quick um we're gonna look at the larger picture here just so that you can get a quick view on that uh okay so we've got our bear market resistance lines here on bitcoin and I just wanted you guys to see that um, we're basically back below that. We're sort of in this zone, in this channel of bear market resistance. It's like we got above it for a moment. And I wanted to show you that because uh, Monero kind of did the same thing over here. We just barely poked above it, and then we're kind of back down um, inside the range. And then total looks basically the same way as well. And to the daily. Okay, here we go. Yeah, you can see total very much looks the same, um, basically broke through. Although total does look slightly better in this regard. So it's kind of funny because if you if you draw a horizontal line at the FTX Doom level, which happened right here, um, we're kind of still flirting with that line. Like total is having a hard time getting above that, 
Whereas Bitcoin, on the other hand, uh, this right here is the FTX doom line. We're still well above that on Bitcoin. So, um, but then at the same time, total has sort of more cleanly broken through this bear market resistance. Whereas Bitcoin is still kind of like trying to get above that final, that final most shallow line that you could draw. So sorry about that. Sorry to go back and be a bit schizophrenic, but, um, yeah, so Monero's kind of doing the same thing. We're a little bit further down. We're kind of more inside of this range here. Um, and obviously, you know, we prefer to break that. Um, we've got the ratio. Oh, you know, sorry, one more thing I wanted to look at, Z-scores. So if we look at Z-scores on kind of a long time frame, um, you can see that there's a very clear uptrend, right? They're basically on their way up. Um, but if we look at it on the shorter time frame, you know, like the four hour, um, you can see that we're kind of in this downtrend right here, right? These Z-scores are all trending down. Um, now, we're seeing a little bit of, you would want to call this divergence, but it's not really divergence so much as it's just volatility dropping off. So whenever you see Z-scores um, or even RSI doing this thing where you see the bottoms are getting higher and then the tops are getting lower, people will say, oh, look at that RSI divergence or, or look at that uh, those Z-score divergence. But it's not really so much that. What's actually happening is you're just compressing the volatility there. So um, you have to be careful. That's, a, that's an easy mistake to make. Uh, let's take a look at the RSI as well. Let's see if we, if we see something similar. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's basically very similar. You've got kind of this uh, downtrend on the top side and this uptrend on the bottom side. And you might be tempted to call this divergence. And it might be. Um, we kind of need to see a little bit more of this play out, but it might not be. Uh, it could just be decreasing volatility over this over this larger time frame. So um, just something to keep in mind for the people that use RSI out there. It's a, it's a common mistake. It's an easy one to make. Uh, and then we can look at, uh, finally, the Bitcoin versus Monero, sorry, Monero versus Bitcoin ratio. Uh, we got the Z-scores, which is kind of the same thing. This, this on the other hand, does look like it might be uh, a little bit of, um, of divergence. It depends on which time frame you look at, right? So the purple and blue lines, those are longer time frames. You can see they're basically still kind of trending down. Um, but then you can look at the green, uh, and that's kind of double bottomed. It's it's not really divergence, um, but it is setting up in such a way that, that that might be the case. That might be. Uh, so we'll start with the daily. Again, uh, when you start feeling blue and uh, and sour about the ratio, just zoom out, zoom out and take a look and say, hey, this is where we were four years ago or three years ago. Um, so, yes, we would like to be farther ahead. Um, obviously, we think that I mean, there, there has clearly been a significant amount of Monero adoption since this point down here. You know, we're kind of battling some of these nefarious forces here for price. Um, but I mean, overall, like, again, there are very few charts when you look at them against Bitcoin that they are very clearly in an uptrend, that they're very clearly higher. Like this is early Monero price. And even though we had this crazy blow off here because, you know, people back in 2016 and 2017 had a, few, a little bit more principle <laughs> than the uh, than all the moon boys that we have now. Um, but the simple fact is that we still are like overall um at the launch price and significantly above that those early days price. And we're sitting here holding steady relative to Bitcoin, even despite the fact, I mean, think about it, like Bitcoin had the richest man in the world buy. It has nations that have bought. It's on every exchange. It's got the most, uh, the, the most uh, visibility. Like everybody knows what Bitcoin is, right? Compare that to Monero, which is on hardly any exchanges, which is price suppressed and fractionally reserved, which everyone says, oh, they're just going to ban it and, and all this other stuff. And yet we're sitting here holding steady with Bitcoin. Like, that's incredible. If you really think about it, the fact that we can hold our price to Bitcoin when most of the altcoins are losing value to Bitcoin. Like Litecoin, this bear market, Litecoin made new all-time lows relative to Bitcoin, whereas Monero is sitting here and holding its own. So, again, I just, I just want you guys, like, I know that people get kind of, I see it on XMR Trader. There's people that kind of bounce out and they're like, ah, no, this is, I can't do this anymore. 
But um, overall, like this is phenomenal. The fact that Monero is so suppressed and hated and not included in most of the crypto ecosystem, yet it's still holding its own for, for the better part of three, almost four years now. So um, as we talked about for the past few weeks, when this when this area broke down here, we kind of had to say, yeah, there's a very good chance we could come visit the 006 level, uh, which is, does seem to be kind of what's happening. So um, I I don't have any good opinions. I don't have any like solid reason to believe that it's going to go one way or another. Um, I guess hypothetically, if we expect that eventually markets are going to continue up, um, we might have more ratio problems. Uh, so. Yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't have any good uh, any good opinions there to share with you guys or any good predictions. We, we got we got. I mean, this isn't TA, but you know, we got the Monero Run coming up. We got Monero Topia. We got Monero Con. You know, that's all, a good point. The money all very bullish things. I mean, I know that you know they're, they're, it's that's that's not TA, but you might see you might see some positive. Do you think? Yeah, Monero, you know, the money run has done pretty good in the past with yeah. uh, in terms of price increases. Why why are they doing it on this date? Is it is that when they did it last year? If, yeah, we did it last year on April 18th, and that's Monero's birthday. So oh, shit. It's an appropriate date. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to have a, yeah. a special show. What what day, yeah, would be. what day does that fall on? April 18th. Um, that would be a Tuesday. Okay. I think. I don't know. My rain man isn't good enough to tell you for sure. <laughs> but I think it's a Tuesday. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Good, good points, though, with the fact that, you know, Monero is holding up throughout time, slowly crawling up against Bitcoin despite the fact that you have to like put in work in Monero. It's not yeah. like, it's not easy. There's friction, right? If you want to get like in New York, you know, I've been telling people for years, you know, talking about it. And always like, Oh, how do I get it? Like, well, to begin with, they're like, they're ready to like, you know, dabble in it. And it's like, well, they don't have it. I was like, oh, yeah. why? <laughs> but yeah, I grant that it makes them more curious. And then those that are, are willing to put in the effort, figure out how to get it but it is pretty amazing that people are still like obtaining it in such a organic way right yeah yeah 100 percent. the other thing we never talk about too is like in 20 you know when we had that big run-up i guess that was 2017 20 i remember like one of the big things that led that run-up was the exchanges in uh i think it was like korea right you remember that Mm, did they ban the narrows like that far again uh, no, then it was ba- it was banned after that. But when we saw, um, it was that summer of, I think, 2018, that was one of the biggest run-up moments when it, I think it had gotten added to a exchange. I believe it was in Korea. It could have been Japan. I believe it was Korea. And it got mm-hmm. added to the exchange. A major, like, major pump. <clears throat> but, you know, now it's, like, delisted from a lot of these exchanges. So Yeah, Japan, South Korea, UK, yeah. New York, yeah. Australia. But really, it's only a handful of countries, you know, think about. But I get, you know, the idea being, you know, do you think that that could be a major catalyst for Monero, right? Once those places start to open up again. Cause I think, I think, you know, my, my theory is, right, we're, we're retreating right now. I mean, we're not. Monero isn't, but whatever. We're, we're under attack. There's, you're going to see, uh, more, perhaps more delistings. Maybe we didn't peak there in terms of max amount of, you know, delistings of Monero and, you know, countries calling it out. But at some point, you're going to start to see the opposite where, you know, countries start going beyond, you know, have had enough time to realize that it doesn't make sense to ban an unstoppable technology. In fact, they'd be able to gain more insight into it if they, you know, uh, 
uh, embrace it, right? They'd be able to gain more data, which is ultimately what they want to do, right? So if they embrace it, allow it to be on centralized exchanges, I do think that's going to be a, a catalyst for Monero when you start to see that shift. That seems probable, maybe in like, I don't know, five or 10 years time. Yeah, I don't know what, like, very clear adoption, everyone's using it. Yeah. You know, then the government's kind of like, the government's kind of do that. Like, they'll be like, no, you can't do this. And then as soon as too many people start doing it, they'll be like, well, you know, it's, it's fine. Right. But I guess we have to add Dubai to that list now, don't we? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There's not really any consensus in the Monero community about whether, uh, whether it will be banned completely or almost everywhere or whether it will be um, completely opened up. Um, there are people that like, they like, yeah, I want it to be banned. Everywhere should ban it. I hope it's, you know, let's just get it over with. And they think it's going to be like that forever. Whereas, you know, like right now you're expressing that, well, eventually they're all going to open up again. I think probably over the long, I mean, my belief is that over long time frames, humanity has becoming, is becoming more and more free, um, across multiple different metrics. So it would make sense that, yeah, I mean, eventually we should see Monero opened up across exchanges, um, but it could take a decade, right? It might take some time. Yeah. It's like trying to hold back the internet. Right. I mean, uh, China, you know, did, has done a decent wall with its firewalls, but it's it's pretty hard to hold back the adoption yeah. of something like Venera. It's impossible. And it has real utility to the point where people want even now we're seeing it. They go out of their way to get it. So it's inevitable. And so I, I do think we'll start to see a shift towards countries eventually starting to embrace it. I think we're on the other side of that that pendulum right now. But get back. Yeah. I wanted to make one more plug. Um, so the diver- the divergences script, um, I published that this past week. So anyone that wants to take a look at this chart, which tells you um, how the different exchanges are doing relative to Binance. So you can kind of see for the past, really for the past three, four days, largely they've been in negative divergences. Um, when we were talking last week, um, yeah, we were, we were in negative divergences when we were talking last week. They kind of went positive for a moment um, after the last price report, and then they kind of get back down into the negative. But at any rate, I just wanted to show people that um, this script is now publicly available. I posted it on Twitter, and um, I'll post the link here in the in the YouTube video in a second after we get off. Uh, let me show you just a couple of the options. So look back. This is kind of the moving average. So you have to take – ideally, we would take a second-by-second second, um, divergence between, like, say, Binance and Kraken, um, and then you would calculate the percentage difference that is. Um, but the thing is – Sometimes they're above, sometimes they're below, but you have to average all that out. So right now, for example, I'm on a five-minute chart, and the look-back is 48 candles or 48 periods, which equates to a four-hour look-back. So that's what this look-back is. You can choose to make the volume adjustment, which I recommend that you do, because if you can have a large uh, divergence, but that doesn't matter if you didn't do any volume there, right? Or if you have a small divergence where a lot of volume was done, um, that's that's also safe. So um, you can do this by the close price. You can, test, you can tell it, okay, look at... Um, Show us the divergences between the highest price that Kraken has had. Show us the divergence between the lowest price between Kraken and the other exchanges or between the closed price. And I pretty much always leave that on closed price. You can also choose to show the sum of all of these. Now, I don't, I mostly just look at Binance. The others, the others I keep in here just kind of like for GWIS purposes. Um, but these other exchanges, like Binance is bad enough, but these other exchanges are probably faking their volumes to a significant degree. So it's really, kind of hard to say for sure that they're actually reliable. Binance is probably at least slightly more reliable since they're kind of in trouble with the law right now and they're, they're probably on slightly better behavior. Um, but anyways, you can do some of all. You can add all these up. That's only relevant if you make the volume adjustment. If you don't make the volume adjustment, then summing them up doesn't make sense. And then you can choose which of these exchanges you want to include in that sum. So that's kind of how to use this. Uh, like I said, I'll post the link uh, after we get off 
uh, the price report here. And, um, yeah, it's free for everyone to use. Sweet. Awesome, man. Great job, as always. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I enjoyed it, as always. As always, thank you. Everyone enjoy your reports yeah. for taking the time. Morning. <laughs> you sharing it with us. You got to be doing this every Saturday morning. It's crazy. It's you got any flights, flight practice coming up, man? Uh, I have a flight next week, actually, to uh, Puerto Vallarta in a Cessna 182. Ooh. So that will be my first flight in like, the last 10, 11 months. So I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, it's awesome. Dude. We'll, we'll pay for you to fly, give, take us on a flight down there, man. We'll pay you in Monero to take us on a flight. You we'll see if I can make it happen in time. Um, so I called up this flight school, and what they told me was that I have to go get permission from the Mexican FAA, and that's a whole bunch of paperwork. So then they have to approve me, and then I have to do 10 hours here in Mexico um, to fly Mexican registered aircraft. So, like, I could fly. It's like November. It starts with uh, N. So uh, U.S. aircraft start with uh, in and I can fly those into Mexico and really anywhere in the world, but I can't actually fly Mexican registered aircraft unless I get approval from the Mexican FAA. So um, I'm working on that so I can start renting airplanes down here. So I'm not sure if I can make that happen before I'm in our show. Can, uh, we'd, we'd love to be your guest. That's Obviously, cool. you know, not paying custom, but maybe maybe we could send you a, a tip as a gift. Yeah, we can split the cost of the flight, and that's that's right. um, totally go. within the within the law. <laughs> uh, Look amazing. at you guys. Fly down to Oaxaca. Astrophotopia <laughs> flying out <laughs> with body. Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. Just <laughs> tell everyone. Goodbye. Monero pumping against like, like Greece or something. <laughs> as long as we don't crash though, right? Then the conspiracies after that, right? They'd be like, what happened? Oh yeah. They took out Doug. <laughs> <laughs> His Monerotopia was getting too and good. As Monero that takes off, that'll be the the moment. Nah, no, it's Mexico, man. The Mexican Air Force. Like, fuck, I missed out on it. I had to be a martyr. <laughs> Good. All right, calm down. I'm not even. <laughs> I'm discounting the fact that you're there too. I know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You heard it live here. Sanita can come too. Sanita survives. She'll have a parachute. Somehow she'll. Yeah. Now these planes are fine. Like you train to lose your engine. Like if you lose your engine, you just have a glider and you set it down somewhere in a field or something like that. Yeah. Now I've been. I've been on them quite. Uh, quite a few times. You went. Okay. I but went. But what button? From a plane. No, I I, I went skydiving. Oh, sorry, skydiving. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was like, why is that sorry? skydiving? Yeah, yeah I, I went skydiving. But then I, I I blew out my eardrum. Oh yeah, that's. Right. I love it. Wow. Fun. I only did it once. Yeah, I have like ear issues. So I blew it out doing that, and then once jumping off a, a cliff in Greece from like a did, high height. Do you not like, do like the Valsalva maneuver or whatever? Oh, with the the pressurizing your, whatever, depressurizing your. Yeah, where you equalize your ears every. I don't know, 100 feet or 500 feet or something? Uh, I just don't, I just have issues with, uh, with my ears he to the point issues, that they like, guys. you know, I guess that uh-huh. doesn't work for me. But yeah, I've always had, like I had like, yeah, from when I was a kid. I, I ended up blowing out my eardrum multiple times and I had to get surgery on, on it. Dang. But, uh, yeah, no skydiving. We could certainly fly the plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to do my best to get my, uh, get all my currencies and get my Mexican, um, side of everything sorted. So hypothetically, we could run a plane. That Mexico is slow when it comes to paperwork, but uh, yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> right, All righty. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, you guys. Thank, thank you, man. for the report. Adios. Talk to you later. All righty. Let's move on to devs. Woo. And now for the Monero development segment. Aloha. Thank you. Hi. How are you doing? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's currently snowing, which is so weird here because oh. it was literally 80 degrees outside. But I'm doing pretty well. well you, sure, you sure that's snow, right? Wasn't there like white, white 
powder falling down in, on people and uh well i don't know what it is i'm currently inside so yeah i saw that like um the, a bunch of dust from the car <laughs> i saw it on twitter like a bunch of like theories around what it was people told people to stay inside apparently i'm yeah there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> shit man <Get> <laughs> Close your windows. We need you. We need you. (laughs) All righty. Take it away. But yeah, um, today we'll be going over uh, multi-signature in Monero and pretty much why uh, multi-signature is important. Um, If you're not familiar with Alphabay or the news around Alphabay, Alphabay was was one of the largest um, darkneck markets, period, a couple years ago when the first one got shut down. And then Alphabay 2 came back, essentially. And people now suspect that it is also down. Like, you know, there's no evidence that it's like been hacked or they exit scam, but pretty much the exchange is not currently working anymore, which is a, a problem. If you had your money on the exchange, you were using this exchange and problems like this, when you have a centralizing party, isn't really peer to peer, right? Cause that's not the point of Monero. The point of Monero is to be peer to peer. And this is a, I would say a ma- majorly like a technical issue. And the reason you can't do like true peer-to-peer marketplace like this is because of Monero's lack of multi-signature technology, essentially. So just a quick overview, Alphabay is an online market that went down and they, they held the customer's funds, things like that. So customers and retailers on the platform can't get their money out. But this issue isn't specific to just darknet markets, right? It's any market. This is something that we face at Anon Shop. This is something like if you use like MoneroMarket.io, they also hold the customer's fund as a, act as a middle person. But when Monero gets multi-signature that's easy to use, this issue will be solved. So let's go a little bit over that specific point. Um, first, what is multi-signature? Probably most of the wallets you use today just have one key. And pretty much the, the idea is that you hold the funds to your keys, right? So only one person controls the keys. For example, if Doug has a Monero wallet for Monerotopia, he controls the keys for that wallet. Right, so one key, one wallet. What multi-signature does is that it allows you to have three keys that control a wallet. For example, let's say you had $10,000 in in Monero, and you, and you did want to trust all that on one key. What you could do is actually split those keys across, oh, split that money across three keys. That way, in order to lose this money, you would have to have um, two of the keys sign the transaction, for example. And you can do any type of keys, right? You can have, like, three out of ten multi-sig. We need three keys, but the most popular form of multi-signature is um, two out of three keys. So you would need two out of three keys to release the funds. And you might be asking yourself, how does that help um, marketplaces right now? Um, well, in, in a normal marketplace on the left here, you can see that pretty much the users give their money to the marketplace and the marketplace holds all the funds, right? But let's say the marketplace, not it, let's say the marketplace gets hacked, right? They do nothing wrong. They, they get hacked. That, that would mean that all the users would lose their money, right? Everyone loses their money because there's only one key holding everything between these funds. But if you go to the right and you would have multi-sig, you could imagine that instead of putting all your money to the store, you would simply do a two out of, two out of three multi-sig. So for example, in this case, the person on the left would, um, be able to get, well, person on the left would basically put their money in the wallet and all three people will be able to spend from the wallet as long as they get agreement from two out of the three parties, right? So let's say there's a hack and the store goes down. Well, that's not a big deal anymore because the store is only one person out of the two out of three. 
so the people still using the peer-to-peer platform can still get their funds out, essentially, right? So it sort of protects people from when things go down. And once again, I want to be clear that this doesn't only affect dark markets, right? This isn't just something that affects um, dark markets. This is something that affects any market. And our shop experiences is local. Monero has this issue also. And then also MoneroMarket.io has this issue, right? Because if, if you don't have multi-signature, you can't really have peer-to-peer transactions without the, the store acting as a middle person. So I'm sorry about going too fast. Any questions from... No, this is this is good stuff, man. I mean, uh, I don't want to throw a curveball at you, but what do you what do you think of uh, Rhino? Have you been keeping your eye on that? (laughs) That's literally coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They figured out like they are doing multi sig on Monero. Yeah, yeah. So Monero, they are. It's not easy to do multi sig, but uh, if you're binary, you can do it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you're right. So we're gonna get into that in a couple of slides. So I'm gonna pause that question for now. But that's a really good question. Wow. Yeah, you're plugged in. Um, but so there were some problems with Monero multi-sig. There was a bug released about a year ago where if you like, let's say one of the people using it was malicious, they will be able to create the wallet and the address in a way that they could steal the funds, essentially. So big issue. Um, there was a like responsible disclosure around this. People were like, Hey, your money is safe. If you don't use this type of wallet, don't spend from it. And then until we get this patched, but. As Doug hinted at earlier, Rhino is a company that their main business model is offering multi-signature wallets on the Monero network, right? So there was a $10,000 bounty they put out, and I believe that bounty um, plus community members were, were able to patch this bug and get it running. And, and like Doug said, Rhino is able to do um, multi-signature. They're like a sort of like a, a web wallet at this point. So it is you, you do have to trust the software that they run on the web wallet. I don't think they have a desktop client yet. I think it's only web wallet. But you should check them out. Really cool stuff they're doing. It's really cool that they were able to put a lot of money to get this um, issue patched up. And also, you can currently do a multi-signature on the Monero command line also. But, like, obviously, that's not easy, right? If you want to go spend money on Monero Market, you don't – like you don't want to require your customers to be able to pop up a command line and do all this fancy stuff. So what we really need is open source, verifiable multi-signature in the Monero GUI. And that's coming soon-ish, pretty much, right? There's literally a pull request sitting in the repo right now where someone has done the majority of the work to integrate multi-signature into the GUI, but they want to just wait until it's less experimental, you know, make sure there's no bugs, make sure it's very secure before they put before they open it up to regular users, I would say. So that's pretty much a development going on. Like a major thing right now, if you follow dark markets or any kind of marketplace and you really are a big fan of peer-to-peer markets, this is going to completely change the game once Monero gets multi-signature in the GUI. And I want to be clear also, this isn't an issue that just affects Monero. I believe Zcash also lacks shielded multi-signature transactions in in a GUI format right now. And they, they don't even have like hardware wall support for shielded transactions. So Monero is definitely leading the space when it comes to privacy coins that have multi-signature support. And so that's it. It's just hard when you're building new, new technology, right? You have to do so many integrations. It's very difficult and takes a lot of time. And that's pretty much an issue. And that's the one thing that Bitcoin has over Monero right now is simple multi-signature support, but like without privacy, none of that really matters, honestly, in my opinion, you know, to each his own. But that's pretty much a, I guess, Overview of the, yeah, yeah, Monero dev support. Like we need multi-signature is coming. It'll take time, but once it's open, we can build so many cool things on Monero. 
Dude, fantastic job as always. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for, for Rhino. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty cool because, you know, I just saw somebody tweeting today, like, you know, crypto is never going to be adopted because, you know, people can't, or it, it's never going to be adopted in a pure form, right? People are always mm-hmm. going to rely on centralized, uh, whatever exchanges and wallets because otherwise it's too difficult to use. But mm-hmm. Rhino is kind of the perfect example of yeah. where, you know, the experience of using it is really no different than signing into your bank account, right? Yeah. Except in this instance, you always have control of your funds. The bank can never run away with them, and they can't see how much you have in your wallet. But you're not worried about, oh, am I going to lose my hardware device? You know, whatever did I write down? Like, you can you can rely on this pseudo-centralized uh, company that can mm-hmm. provide you a service in a decentralized way where they ultimately don't have any control. So it's it's a really nice sweet spot in user experience once you start doing things like that with multi-sig and Monero. Yeah, I just want to be clear. It, it, it is a big step in improvement, but I think currently they're only a web wallet, so there's a lot of security issues around that. But it's, it's much better than um, other web wallets, definitely, and it's pretty cool for more Accenture also. But it's not just like a... Is that the same security that you would get from the Monero GUI if it had multi-city? But it's definitely a big step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, yeah, but yeah. It, it meets that sweet spot of usability, oh, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's a web. You're logging into it on a browser just like you would log into your bank, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, as long as people don't steal your password, uh, it's effectively as secure. I mean, it's open source, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like you're, you're trusting Rhino, Rhino Bank, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. It does meet a nice sweet spot in terms of usability versus, uh, still using Monero in a, a decentralized way. Yeah. I mean, they're really cool people. They put, I mean, $10,000 to fit a, to fix a bug is like amazing. Yeah. We obviously are onto something here, right? It's not just, <laughs> well, bi- yeah, yeah. It's, it's run by Binary, who's amazing. I don't know if you're from, you know, he's one. Of, oh, one Binary of, Fate? Yeah. I didn't even know that. What's yeah, the yeah, small yeah. world? Wow. Yeah. I so, didn't. Uh, He's, uh, we're trying to get them. They'll probably be at the conference. Uh, we've been, we, t- so. we start yeah. talking to them. So we'll have them, maybe try to get them to do like at least like an update, like a 10 minute lightning talk on it. You know, the I think that'd be good. Talks. I just keep... <laughs> well, for them, just to get, get the word out on what, on what, what Rhino currently is today and where it's headed. You know? I mean, of course. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know they were binary fake. It's such a, the narrow space is such a small world. Everyone's working together and like all, especially with the pseudo, like the anonymity factor. Mm-hmm. There's still people who I'm like, oh, that's you. I had no idea that was you. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, and it's it's funnier in person. You're like, oh, you're yeah. Behind <laughs> that username, but then you get used to just calling them by their username. How's how's Adon Shop going, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's going really well. We're getting more orders. I'm just trying to do um better promotions on Twitter. We're about to hit a thousand followers. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. You're, you're killing it on Twitter. Even even <laughs> uh, these presentations are so pretty. Like where'd you where'd you get that? That was AI you're using to make your quickly make your art. Oh yeah, the AI art I've um, <laughs> using Midjourney. Yes, I'm yes. sure it took a while to get used to that. Yeah, <laughs> you're spitting out good stuff, man. So good. Um, thank you, man. Anything else you want mm-hmm. to throw out there for this? Um, I think that's it for development. I'm really excited for Monerotopia. I'm super excited for the next person up, Fyro. I mean, Fyro. Yeah, I've, I've read their their papers. I'm it's. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm like, it's going to be so down there for this interview. I'm so excited. <laughs> stay, uh, stick around if you can. Stick around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, stick yeah. around if you can, because then we'll, we'll bring you up uh, for questions. You could ask him some, some questions. Ooh, thank yeah. you. Sweet. Thank you so much <laughs> thank for you, doing man. the report. Yeah. 
Appreciate it. All Amazing right. contribution to the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. All righty. Move on to our guest segment. Woo-hoo. I don't know the smell. Is he putting up like a Monero tip address or anything so you get tips from the community? Yeah, but I will. Because this is... All right, we got for Tony and yep. uh, let's do this. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hello, Ruben. Ruben. Hello. Thanks, Cake Wallet, for sponsoring this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually thought about it before. I was like, this is hilarious. Uh, Very funny. <laughs> You're welcome. You <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I love I'm loving your background. I know. Man. Uh yeah, I I have a lot of magic the gathering trading cards behind. It's just kind of messy. <laughs> I thought that was your actual window, your view right now. <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> but my shirt citizens not suspects. I think that's a good it's a good reason of uh, why why we're into privacy, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> What's going on, man? So we're excited. We're excited to have you down in Monerotopia. Yeah, it's a super long flight. It's like I think forty over hours. I'm like, man, this is like the worst. <laughs> forty hours. Yeah, because you it's not, you know, twice? you're gonna like do a drive, like a flyby and come back around. Well, probably it is, it's, it's literally that I, I have to fly to you, to you, like I can, I think it's like Doha and then fly somewhere else and then like then get to Mexico. It's, it's almost as far as you can get. I remember like that part of the was like really hard to get to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you bought it to pick you up in a private jet. <laughs> I, mean, you I wish, I wish. <laughs> All right, so other than the flight, we're very excited that you'll be attending with Narathobia. Any- I'm very excited. Yeah. Now, is it just going to be you, anybody else from the Firo team that's going to be down there? Just me. I mean, I've been trying to, I mean, like Diego's not part of the, 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 you know, the Firo team, but he's, you know, done a lot of work for both Monero and Firo. And, you know, um, I'm trying, still trying to get him to come, but we'll see. But it'll be good to see some, like, you know, familiar faces. You guys, I think I haven't seen you guys since, uh, the Monero village at DEF CON. Was that, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Is, yeah was that the last long, time? Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, COVID and stuff. <laughs> We've been talking to the, yeah that that well that was that's come before that right that was like before the First, COVID thing yeah, right that was like, COVID. yeah yeah because we also went kind of yeah we went during COVID yeah um we've been talking to Diego but I know I think he's got uh, a lot of family stuff going on right now like good stuff mm, yeah good stuff so, good stuff yeah, so yeah. so that's yeah we'll see <laughs> okay so. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll give us uh, give us the rundown on Fear for those that aren't familiar with it. I bet you there's quite a few people tuning into Monerotopia right now that actually aren't familiar with it. Yeah, sure. Um, so, like, Fero's privacy coin, just like uh, Monero, I guess we started in 2016. Uh, you know, we were originally known as Zcoin. And we were, like, the first implementation of Zerocoin. I mean, back then... You know, it was like the zero knowledge proof privacy protocol, right? I mean, I know Monero uses zero knowledge proofs, but you know, it was like that a different approach to to the zero knowledge proofs. So we started out with uh, the the zero coin implementation, and then uh, you know, now we've kind of like developed a lot. Like we've actually 
change a bunch of privacy protocols, like building, like we went from zero coin to Sigma, which removes the trusted setup. And then from Sigma, we went to Lelantis, which is what we're coming up and very excited to talk about Spark maybe a bit later on. And yeah, I guess we, we have, I guess we're considered, you know, pretty, OGs in the space in the terms of like, you know, especially now, like there's this whole ZK trend, right? And we're like, Hey, you know, don't forget about us. Like we were, we were one of the first people who started implementing ZK. And, um, I think one of the things that we're trying to do is that, you know, there's actually like kind of a lack of, I would say development of, I would say simpler privacy protocols. Like now, right now there's all this, interest in you know generalized uh, zero knowledge proof and like circuits like you know zk zk snarks or halo and all of that uh but i think there is some you know value in like the simpler constructions that offer a lot of privacy like we're using specialized zkps and actually our work in spark has you know i think uh, uh, greatly inspired the the work in Seraphis, which is uh, Monero's next gen privacy protocol. So, yeah, that's us, us in a nutshell. You know, we are still, you know, m- largely on Binance. I mean, that's a a case for most coins. But yeah, <laughs> and I, I saw something with Majestic Bank mentioning you. Like, the, I guess yeah, point that uh, so they just added our support, uh, added, added Fero support to their stuff. Uh, you know, this was like the first time we, we heard about them and we saw they were like, you know, quite, quite popular in the Monero community. So it's pretty nice to see, you know, this cross collaboration and it's available in swap, uh, in stack wallet, which also uses Majestic Bank. Uh, so yeah, really nice to see them like adding us and, and, you know, being, being more in tune with uh, the Monero, like, you know, I guess like similarly like-minded individuals, like we'll be in touch with Luke, uh, like Kayaba Nerf uh, from Sarai as well. Of course, you know, we're good friends with Justin and all these cool people and you guys. So I think it's, you know, I think it's quite nice that there was no like antagonistic response. Uh, you know, I think everyone knows that we are, you know, we are there to... Further the same goal. So I am yeah. really happy to be part because I think, you know, right now, the, the number one enemy is like, you know, us getting banned and delisted. I think all of us are feeling it, especially as privacy coins. And I feel like, you know, we're fighting amongst each other. We have a, we should be uniting the fight against this, like, you know, giant alien trying to wipe us off, right? I mean, that's the, <laughs> rather than like killing each other, we can kill each other after we've beaten the alien, right? <laughs> It's like it's like the best form of attack against those who are like want to use cryptography for for preserving liberty is to just turn everybody against each other, right? Because it's just a small group to begin with. So you know, how do you hide and conquer? So yeah, I think it's I think it's important that you know we we realize that there's much more that we have in common. What divides us, right? Um, what would you you know t- to that end? What would you say? Uh, really different i know there you know there's you talk about some of the technical differences but kind of where do you see fiero in in the space like what role do you see it playing versus you know something like monero or something like zcash sure well i mean like first of all i think you know monero is very 
clear, like, you know, we're just going to be private cryptocurrency. And I know there was this whole debate that I've been following, like, oh, you know, should we have Monero NFTs, you know? And it was like a lot of like the ordinal type of stuff. And I guess we are much more flexible on that. You know, we see ourselves, we are a privacy cryptocurrency, you know, that's, I guess, our roots and stuff. But we are also building a privacy ecosystem, which is going to be powered by Spark. And that would actually what we call a support, what we call Spark assets, where people can create their own private cryptocurrencies or tokens or voting tokens or stable coins and enjoy all the same kind of privacy features as uh as Firo, right? And of course like you know once the Lantern Spark is out, you know, the anonymity set is a much larger, like at least on a per transaction basis, you know, we're looking at like sixty five thousand versus like, you know, I think now sixteen in, in Monero in terms of ring sizes. Uh and we also like the the beautiful thing about I guess I would say Spark assets is that even if let's say like you know Firo does not have as many transactions uh in 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 Firo itself, if other people build their coins or whatever that they want on our Spark asset system, those transactions are indistinguishable from Firo transactions as well. So everyone's transactions increases everyone's anonymity set. So that's pretty exciting for us, you know, and we see like, you know, we, we want people building on us. We want people using in us. And I think there is currently someone that's trying to build a, a like a stable coin bridge, uh, on, on at least our, our asset layer. So we're quite interested to see how that comes about. Uh, but I guess, I guess we're much more flexible. And I would say that, you know, our privacy protocol is pretty unique. We do have good multi-sig. <laughs> so, uh, which is also, you know, it hides the the fact that it's uh, a multi-sig, you know, we're very, very aware of the the need for very good multi-sig transactions that are efficient and also easy to implement, you know, especially like something in a, you know, especially when we're fighting, when we need all these cross-chain DEXs and most cross-chain DEX solutions require some sort of efficient multi-sig, like I think uh, Sarah DEX also requires it, right? And, and uh, you know, I think Luke has also done kind of some 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 work on on you know seeing how that might look like as well. So so yeah, I guess uh, what, I what, is, what was the initial what is, question? Uh, what is it about the Firo architecture that <clears throat> allows you to have <clears throat> simple, easy to use multi sig? So our main innovation with Spark, uh, which was the flexible, um, you know, the flexible stealth address st- uh, structure, which is what we call Spark addresses. And this is something that will also probably come to Seraphis when, if, if it's deployed, I'm not sure whether it's going to be deployed. I hope that it is. Uh, but we designed it to be, you know, multi-six support and also like full type of view key support. Like right now, Monero only has like incoming view key support and not outgoing view key support. We have like full view key support. You can ingoing, outgoing, and we can even delegate like the proving or like, you know, to, to, uh, to a not trusted device and still like, let's, so that's good for hardware wallets, right? You don't want to be doing all these like very intense, uh, ZKP computations on, your little small little hardware wallet so we can offload that to your pc or your mobile phone they can do that while still keeping the span authority within this a small little hardware device and when we were designing this we had all these things you know this checklist that we want in mind this is kind of why it's such a big deal why you know um 
uh, Spark is such a big deal. Like I think uh, Seraphis, you know, back then it was called Zero CT. The, the big thing that it was missing uh, was actually the addressing structure, and basically that whole addressing structure was taken from us. Uh, not totally taken, well, just like you know, the, the whole construction was basically. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's the same thing. Now, I think it deviates slightly from, from, from for certain reasons for compatibility and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, that, that was a design goal. Yeah. So, yeah. What would you say? I mean, this might be more of a, of, of a co question, but what really differentiates, uh, Lalanthus from, from Seraphith? Oh, that's a good question. So, I mean, the first thing is that, look, I think we have different, Aims actually, you know, some people might say my researchers think it's exactly the same, like just with minor differences. But the way that we're implementing it is also different because Monero obviously right now enjoys very, very large transaction volumes, right? Or when we say there's a lot of transactions happening, Fira doesn't have that currently. So we cater our uh, transactions to have much, much larger anonymity sets uh, at, at the sacrifice of some performance, but that can be mitigated uh, in what we call batching techniques. So batching techniques is, yes, you know, maybe it takes quite a long time to to verify a single transaction. Let's say one second, which is really, really long. I mean, like one second or 1.5 seconds. But the things that, what the techniques that we use is that we can kind of aggregate them. So that means the the time to verify a single transaction and if you add each, like if you batch them together, you can actually, so each additional transaction maybe only takes another 50 milliseconds or so. So you pay this one large cost, but even if you have a thousand transactions, it doesn't increase that verification time a lot. So that's why we think like, well, okay, you know, we don't have this, you know, legacy ring signature type of approach that we need. So we, instead of like, uh, where in Seraphis is kind of like, we're trying, we're using this to build larger ring sizes, which is not what we, our approach is. Our approach is, to almost replicate global anonymity sets. So that means everyone goes into this single anonymity pool, uh, and there's no like, there's no like rings with it. It's this like, this giant anonymous pool. Uh, so right now, because of performance reasons, the pools are 65,000 in size, but it's, I don't know how to explain this in the easy way. Instead of like, you know, forming your rings over like all the different, uh, outputs, uh, like in Monero, uh, you know, we formed it from everyone that has made a commitment to the anonymity pool. So that means you, you burn your coins, you put it into the shielded pool or whatever. And that set continuously increases. But when it's full, we actually start a new set with some overlap with the first set. So that it is unclear, like, you know, well, you know, there might be some overlap. You could be spending from the first one. You could be spending the second one. Obviously, I would think that is not ideal, but we actually already, we have some really exciting research that we are halfway through, uh, which is the exploration of using curve trees, which may also have applicability to Monero as well, that might allow global anonymity sets similar to Zcash or whatever, no trusted setup, you know, still very simple constructions and whatnot, and very, very good performance. So that's now in the R&D. Uh, and I guess it's like, you know, we are a small, cons- relatively small project, but we put out, I, I've, I personally feel we put on a lot of good research and work and that's being used uh, in, in other cryptocurrencies besides ours. So, yeah. <laughs> 
And, and hmm. so wait, Infuro is private by default? No, right now we are private. All our wallets are private by default, but not mandatorily enforced. And there's a reason for that. You know, I know I can hear the Monero people. Oh, yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> that's good. I, I know, I know, I know the whole argument, but you have to realize. I'll set you up for that one. I'm like, no. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. And we realized, we had to realize where we came from. We came from zero coin. Zero coin didn't have anything like shielded addresses or stuff. Nothing. It's like burn it, redeem it. You're still using the transparent addresses. So the amounts are still exposed. So coming from that, we couldn't like, you know, remove it completely. Now with Spark, we now have that ability to say, let's go you know, private only, but, you know, we're also very mindful of the ecosystem. And what we're going to try to do is to start allowing, you know, we're going to make all our wallets like, you know, spark addresses only and stuff like that. Yes, you can withdraw to a transparent address, but we kind of want to abstract that transparent layer away and eventually remove it. But, you know, I, a lot of people say, yeah, you know, just bang it and, and hit us. You know, I think people, people underestimate like, we can do that on a philosophically perspective, but if it would kill the project, it also is self-defeating, uh, right? Because, you know, we're, Wait, we're much why smaller. You, why are you saying it would kill the project, though? Okay, let's say if uh, all our major exchanges say, nope, we're not going to bother to uh, do okay. the, the integration work to do that. I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, we we... we we are still relying on centralized... Like, all of us are relying on centralized exchanges. Of course, they are becoming... Better DEX solutions coming, but we all know that for adoption, we still need the centralized exchanges for now. But, you know, I think there is a balance to be had, right? And, uh, it, I mean, just imagine we are, what, a number 600 coin, $30 million, you know, would, would, would an exchange, you know, do all the engineering work, uh, to support Spark addresses. But what we are trying to convince them is to say, hey, look, we can deposit, you know, in a way, this would avoid the problem that Monero is having with Binance in the sense that you're wondering like, well, how much does, how much Monero does, does uh, Binance have, right? But now, because I think it's unlikely for Binance to switch to spot addresses anytime soon, we can, we know exactly how much Binance has inside there. So I guess that's like a pro and con. And, uh, what we are hoping to do is to allow withdrawers to spark addresses. So yeah, you know, you do all your, your transparent stuff on, on Binance. Finance, right, but then when you withdraw it out, it goes into a spot address and it disappears. So, I think similar, that's uh, similar to Zcash, the way the kind similar of to Zcash, uh, but yeah, I think and so I think uh, yeah. Say you know the concern with the exchanges <clears throat> is that your concern that they <clears throat> they won't want to put in the work to to update their you know their ability to list Furo, or is it also regular yeah. concerns that they both both. Both. I mean, Monero is in the, I would say, envied position, right? Because it's one of the OGs. They got in before, like, all the regulation became really in. And, and you have to see, like, you know, like, the exchanges that, that, that keep you guys. I mean, yeah, your volume is, is quite big, but, you know, even if they lost Monero, it wouldn't be such a big blow, right? Like, you know, compared to, to many, many other coins, right? So, uh, for them, it's like, you know, they realize that there's a ongoing community, but for something like Fero, right? Like, it is, it, you, you kind of like been grandfathered in, right? For us, I think there are like, you know, as a smaller project, there are realities that we need to face. And I mean, 
and like like just take a look at pirate chain right like like it it was a lot of uh like you know private by default whatnot obviously all of that may may have the theoretically highest privacy but yeah it's 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 getting exchanges to list them getting proper wallet support means that they have to do everything themselves and and it's a bit hard right so there's a balance to be had i'm very mindful that i Privacy by default is how I want things to be. So, like right now, even on our Spark asset layer, we want everything by by default. You know, like mandatory. Even all our official wallets, we are like going to be pushing Spark addresses and stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully we can move there. But we do have not. We also have technical backlog that we need to work through to totally remove transparent addresses, and we're we're quite a small team, so. You know, bear with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> body, body is asking, and you kind of answer some of this. What are what are some of the drawbacks of Firo? What are the hmm. trade offs with Firo and Monero? I think that's a great, uh, great question. Well, first of all, I think uh, for some, you know, Monero would be uh, would be like a like a non-starter. Is that you know part of the the block reward goes to a core team, right? And Right now, that's about sixteen thousand euro, which is about thirty forty thousand US dollars a month uh, that we get to fund all of us, which is you know three cryptographers, uh, research and and developers. And you, if if you think about it, it's not a lot, right? But some people are like, oh, you have a dev tax, screw you guys. But look, none of us are really getting, none of us are getting rich off it. You can do the math. Yourself is sixteen thousand euro a month uh, based on the block reward, right? But it allows us to continue pushing out. Like you know, we you know there are many other like smaller projects, and sure they copy technology and put this there and whatnot. But we're putting out original research that you know is even being consideration in Monero, and I think there's some value to that, right? And giving developers and researchers the stability that they want. Obviously, eventually we want to stop this completely because you know once it's gone. To, past a certain point, you know, we, we just want, you know, being de- uh, in the privacy coin and development space is not a great position, right? Like you saw what happened to the Tornado Cash developer, right? Once someone big uses you, let's say North Korea, you suddenly like, you know, whether you did it or not, you, you, you're caught in the crosshairs. And I, I had my developers asking me like, you know, if this is going to be serious, they might stop working because you can say, yeah, we fight for our rights and everything, but very few people are willing to go to jail for it. I'm not willing to go to jail for it. If someone threatens me and say, Ruben, you know, you need to stop working the Firo or we'll send you to jail. I'm going to stop working on the Firo. I mean, you know, let's be real. I really want to do it, but I'm not going to, you know, throw my whole life away for it. I, I would say even doing this is already a risk. So... So yeah, I think it's uh oh so and I, I oh, think right. we, we didn't answer the question right. <laughs> uh, um, and I would say yeah, I mean like Monero obviously has has you know there there's already adoption. I would say on a technical standpoint, we are you know maybe slightly ahead, right? And but I do think in terms of Monero, you have already like a very good recognizability people are willing to give their time for free and stuff like that uh you know because of the recognition and like the community uh for Firo, we don't have that yet we have a lot of people like giving us good discounts or you know offering their help but not to the same level as monero right so 
I think in terms of adoption, in terms of developer community strength, and in terms of like, of course, exchange support and all of this and private by default and all of that, Monero has all those advantages. I would say our advantages are like, yeah, you know, on the technical standpoint, we might be a little better. I mean, that's my personal opinion. And I would say, but I wouldn't say that we are necessarily at odds, right? Like, I don't think Monero is going to go through, like, you know, custom asset layers and stuff like that, you know? We want to do, like, fun fun privacy NFTs. And just because we think that, I feel that the narrative of me, yes, like, I totally get it, you know, the libertarian narrative, the, you know, we need to be independent, self-sovereignty and all of that. But let's face it, like, you know, that's a very small minority of people. Even privacy people are a minority of people. But if we can make privacy fun, right, and, and, and you know, educate people to it, which we actually have, like, a fun little NFT project that's funded by me that we're building out, uh, we want to make, privacy normalized and fun, right? And just going like doom and gloom, governments are going to get you, you know, put all this tinfoil hat stuff. It's only going to attract a very, very small group of people. And we are hoping to, I guess, like, you know, not just be a privacy coin. We're trying to be a privacy ecosystem. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's some of the pros, cons, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, there's definitely symbiosis there, right? You know, yes. Monero, uh, <laughs> can potentially benefit from some, you know, the things you, you guys are working on. Uh, you yeah. Know, like you, yeah. You guys can pivot faster, <laughs> smaller project. You'd be more experimental. Uh, mm-hmm. All those things. And we've seen it already, right? With your ability to implement Loantis so, so quickly. Yeah. Uh, I hope we are, I hope we're not going to be called like, Oh, the Litecoin and Monero. I mean, that would be <laughs> really bad, but you know, I see it. <laughs> You're aware oh, of everything. <laughs> you, you then have to sell all, all of your coins at the top of the market, right? So you can <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I anyway, wish. Yeah. Looking forward to having you uh, down there. Uh, what, what's your talk going to be on? Do you know yet? Or I, I was actually thinking of like talking about like you know. I think it would be interesting to, to see the history of uh, of the flow of our privacy protocols to Spark and Seraphis today. So, you know, like all the different things and the considerations and what led to it and the research and all the roadblocks that we face. I'm not sure if this is something people are interested in, but, uh, you know, we can talk and, and see what's thing. But uh, we went through a lot of hardship and dead ends to actually come to Lelanta Spark. So uh, I thought that might be, might have, might be interesting uh, for you guys. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I love it. All right, man. Uh, stick around if you yeah. can. Um, I will. Okay. Segment. We're going to do the new segment and then people can ask you some questions, questions that they have. We'll yeah. Through, uh, sure. And you. All right. So we'll talk to you in a second. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you. Enough to ask some questions. Alrighty. Thank you. All righty. Let's move on to you. And now for our weekly news segment. Hello, Tony. Tony. Hey, guys. One second. Yep. I'm going to mute this. Let me mute Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? going? I see the sunshine. Yeah. I want some warmth. <laughs> I just came back from Miami. <laughs> Whatever. Damn. You're living yeah. life, Tony. Well, that I've seen, all. Yeah, that's cool. I've seen Pump on Wednesday, and he gave a speech. He talked about uh, his investments, Bitcoin for a little bit, and then... Yeah. So I was gonna be that guy and, yeah. and then ask about Monero, 
but like people were asking questions about their startups and very specific. So I didn't want to get away. I didn't want to intervene because they were limited to be given. You're too nice. I know. I, I mean, mean right up there. And it's... He just literally we just <laughs> jumped on stage. <laughs> with the mic. <laughs> so what do you think about Monero? Do you want to come to the conference? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. And I couldn't talk to him after because after he was done, he's like, all right. And then he just walked like that other mm. guy running for. Oh, no, the, the congressman. What was his the name? Uh, well, oh, well, <laughs> I have to talk to the children. <laughs> yeah, I know. The but students, the students, <laughs> not the children. <laughs> the students. Sorry. All right, let's move on to the news. Take yep. it away, man. Yep. Take it away, my friend. Yes, let's do that. And there's so much love in the chat. We have uh, Cakewall wishing good morning. Foxcoid, I love you all. Ian, Vic, and we have Twitter. <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so people were asking, will we be streaming the event? Yeah, we will. We will be streaming Monerotopia. Well, I mean, if everything works as a plan. Uh, <laughs> once we, once we figure that out, we're going to add a ticket for it. It'll be a virtual ticket if you want to watch it live that day. Otherwise, all the videos will put up, you know, for free. And you can access, like, maybe weeks later once we can edit everything. Yeah, well, same as we did last year. But yeah, same as last year. We're going to add a virtual ticket, most likely. Yep. And talking about tickets, so we actually gave away all the VIP tickets, so they're sold out. But if you still want to get the general admission ticket, what you can do is you go to buy tickets. What are you doing? <laughs> then you add the cart, and then you actually go inside the cart, you view the cart, and then you should write the group, the coupon code, uh, code oh, Tony. Tony! Tony! You get... You get 10 cents off. Where's my... Ah. Ah, your code didn't work. It didn't work. Did it expire? Oh, it's okay. probably expired. Um, yeah, remember I changed. Yeah, your code it to, expired. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry, I will. <laughs> we'll give you. We a new said code, it. We'll then. give you a new code. It's, it's coming back, guys. <laughs> I'll do it right now. Keep talking. Move on. Okay. <laughs> All right, move on to the. Okay. And you you could even pay with Firo actually if you don't want to pay with Monero you could use now payments. Uh, you can pay with any crypto you want. I think I think literally everyone that bought a ticket has Monero so far. But we do have now yeah. payments on there as well if you want to use. Uh, some other crypto to buy here. Beautiful, awesome, awesome. Uh, so then let's mention Monero, uh, MoneroCon while we're at it. And they're actually selling tickets right now. Um, their conference is gonna be on June 23rd through June 25th in uh, Czech Republic. And the ticket is $132 for the general admission. And the VIP is gonna be 264 um, euros, euros, dollars, it's one to one. Very excited for that. Yep, that's awesome. Oh, wait, June 23rd, June 25th. I might actually make it this time. We'll see. So, yeah, so. We, were, we were speaking to the guy pretty much coordinating it. Um, yeah. And uh, we're excited. We're, oh, trying, yeah. we're trying to get him to come to Monerotopia. Yeah, you that'd be awesome. The one that would be representing uh, Rhino comes by. So right. we're, Code we're Tony out. should work now, yeah. just saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <He's back. laughs> Very excited it for <laughs> Monero Conference. Awesome. Yep. Uh, now let's talk about Cake Wallet and the fact that they just released uh, their desktop um, app, which I've been wanting uh, to use for a long, long time, and now it's finally available. It's only for Apple Silicon M1 and M2 chips so far as a beta version, but then it's coming to Linux and Windows as well. Um, if you actually want to help them to um, uh, to test it, make sure that you follow this link and that you chat with them and let them know what you think. And um, What's cool is that I noticed in the plan of features, they're going to implement a coin price uh, chart screen and a news screen. So uh, very cool. Very cool. Side check. 
And more secret stuff. So. <laughs> more secret stuff. <laughs> the news screen should just be a live feed of you, Tony, just like saying the news. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like four hours a day, seven days a week. Even live, You gotta see go through this coffee behind me. I'll drink like uh, two liters per day just to keep it up, <laughs> keep myself up. Uh, Very exciting to see though the continued. Uh, obviously, yeah. Keiko is lunging forward with development. Yes, actually, I was talking to someone at the conference uh, or meetup, <laughs> and uh, he knew about Monero, Monero Topia, Cake Wallet. He's actually using Cake Wallet, and then I gave him some. nice. Yeah, so that was awesome. Uh, but now let's talk about El Salvador and their mega prison. So, um, yeah, this is crazy. And we're going to watch a video in a, in a second, which is amazing that they, that we even have a video of it because they show how they move them from where they were before in the bosses and then to their next location. Uh, but yeah, the situation in El Salvador, um, is, was and still is pretty bad with, uh, with crime. So they so far moved 2000 accused gang members to the 40,000 person capacity prison, consi considered to be the largest in the um, Americas. And let's actually watch uh, the video right now. Second. Yeah, so it's wild. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yes, I mean, so the, the whole situation down there is very interesting because obviously they, he's managed to clean up crime, I mean, faster than any other world leader for their country. It's pretty insane what they've done over there. I think the, yes. the homicide rate has plummeted. Uh, but they did it in a way, I be, I don't know the details, but I believe, you know, there were uh, essentially concessions made, right? Laws passed in Congress that allowed them to do it in such a way where they weren't going through traditional due process to get these guys off the street. So it's controversial. Um, it's, you know, Bukele, right? So he's, he's, he's trying, he's trying to usher in liberty and prosperity with Bitcoin, but also doing that in a very, um, you know, totalitarian type of way, ironically, <laughs> right? So kind of mandating <laughs> yes. its usage. Uh, and then you see him taking these harsh moves over here, which, you know, it's hard to argue, right? It's he's he's making it a more secure and safe place to live. Uh, but once again, he's doing it uh, with an iron fist and in a way that might be uh, in humanitarian. Right. Uh, but um, some people said that um, you have no idea what you're talking about. Only Salvadorans know what this crime criminals have put us through. I'll advise anyone who thinks this is horrible to do some research, and then you can come to your own conclusions. For us, this is heaven. And then if we scroll down, murder rate went near zero almost overnight. Yeah. Jesus. 
Yeah, but I mean, how do you funny. argue against against that? So yeah, it is dehumanizing. But that's I mean, also the ultimate argument that you can make for solving all crime, right? Right, like, right, right. Um, so it's it's controversial. We'll see how we'll see how it plays out. I don't know enough of, enough about it, but yeah, I don't you, know. You would like to see things done in a. I, I mean, me personally, you know, a more democratic and liberty-minded way get the same outcome but obviously it's not as easy as as taking harsh steps like this to get immediate results but you know that's the same thing as saying you know let's let's put a let's put a camera in everybody's home because they'll they'll never be crime again right so, <laughs> i don't think anybody would you know but if you saw the if you saw the results overnight you know all yeah. crime plummeted it's it's amazing um yeah. you know, what are you going to sacrifice us? So it's 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 interesting because it's you know it, is El Salvador this bastion of, of liberty or is it becoming this kind of its own form of dystopia over there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know what to say about this, uh, but and what other ways they could have <laughs> prevented this crime? But uh, it, I guess it, the numbers show that it worked in some way. Um, it's interesting. What what is Alex Gladstein saying about this? I mean, you know, because oh obviously God, he's very Alex. very pro Bitcoin. I think he he was very much aligned with what they were doing down there, yeah, um, for Bitcoin. And now on this issue, as you know, the Human Rights Foundation. I'm curious what their take is on this. I don't. I don't um, he mostly I didn't see what he thinks about that specifically, but we'll get into what he thought about something else. Oh, okay. um, so I'll make what I'm what I'm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, what I want to mention right now is that only 1.6% of remittances were sent via Bitcoin, and one third of Latin American consumers have used stable coins for everyday purchases, um, which is very interesting because so in the U.S. Um, and actually, let's go to um, a chart. So it says that in the U.S., 80% of the purchases are made through cash and 20% through USDC, but in the rest of the world, uh, which is mostly, I think. Um, cause it's not so popular in Europe, but in Latin America, it's very popular for sure. Um, around 22% of the transactions are made via, I think, dollars, 22% in their local currencies, and then 56% via, um, USDC. So a stable coin. And, um, if we go to this website and then we'll go back to Alex, Alex uh, Gladstein and what he mentioned, um, Yes. People in Latin America are actually very optimistic about uh, digital assets. 54% are optimistic about them. Two-thirds of Latinos want greater flexibility to use crypto and traditional payment methods. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of them are using USDC and stablecoins for day-to-day purchases. And now uh, Alex Gladstein asked um, if he has different data about El Salvador, obviously because they use um, Bitcoin. Um, I mean, it's legal tender, so you think that it may be used more than any other method. Um, either way, I agree. Bitcoin use cannot be imposed. It must be learned and done in a grassroots uh, fashion. Um, so indicators of access, use, and quality of financial services in El Salvador is available here. Oh, okay. What other remittances? But yeah, I mean, uh, so stable coins are used the most. In, in Latin America and Bitcoin is not used um, as much as you'd think that it is. Right. The organic adoption is actually happening with stable coins. With, yeah. So stable coins instead of, uh, instead of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. But I'm not sure what he thinks about, um, what Alex thinks about, um, Nayib Bukele's way of uh, implementing things in the country. 
which so so far has been by the use of force. Uh, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about it. Maybe we're gonna back on Monero talk. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever come back. He'll never come back. Oh my god. That was a great episode if you guys it. was back in the day before Alex most of, he wasn't very well known at all back then. I recommend it. I actually didn't watch it, so I should watch it. I didn't watch that episode. There are a few people Doug has had on. Back on. It wasn't contentious, but whatever. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Yes. Oh yeah, and then another one with Alex. So they were talking about um El Salvador's official cryptocurrency remittances and that they continue to stagnate. So in October 2021, when I, that's when around Bitcoin became legal tender, and uh, the number was the 4.5% of all transactions, of all methods of transacting. And then by November, one month later, it dropped down to 2%. So it halved immediately. And then ever since, um, the percentage of all remittances sent to El Salvador are between 1.6% to 1.8%. But now in December 2022, they've seen a low of one point four percent. Then Alex um, commented, "Any idea what the real numbers are, including peer-to-peer and unofficial markets?" Which is a good question. And then um, Jerson Martinez um, uh, replied back that he doesn't have reliable data on unofficial or peer-to-peer markets. Uh, but he, but the major uh, drawback and a major barrier for remittances, remittance senders, is their limited ability to exchange the cash for bitcoin because a lot of them are unbanked so uh, this is one major issue that, that uh, they're seeing uh, now let's talk about uh bitcoin and the fact that one u.s legislator introduced a bill that would prohibit the creation of an american cbdc um so u.s congressman tom emmer introduced a bill uh which is called titled the cbdc anti-surveillance state act and is looking to prohibit the Federal Reserve from issuing a CBDC directly to, to anyone. And then to summarize um, the bill and the article, it essentially does three things. Prohibits the Fed from issuing a CBDC directly to anyone, bars the Fed from using a CBDC to implement monetary policy and control the economy, requires the Fed CBDC projects to be transparent to Congress and the American people. So any digital version of the dollar must uphold our American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free market competitive. Anything less opens the door to the development of a dangerous surveillance tool. Tom, is- Tom Emmer, I've been trying to get him on the show for years. Oh, wow. You know, that, that's the litmus test, right? So he's out there. He's all pro-privacy. Come on. Come on, Monero Talk, Tom. <laughs> come on. Like, you know, that, that's kind of the, the test. He should be willing to come on Monero Talk and talk about these ideas and Monero. He's, I don't think he's ever mentioned Monero and his take as to whether or not, you know, where, where he stands with regards to it. But he, you know, he is doing a great job. He's very, he's very pro privacy. Yes. Um, he's a, he's worried about the elimination of cash and what that means for society. He's kind of the closest thing we have to a pro Monero congressman. Um, you know, without, without saying it. So cheers to him. This is, this is interesting to say, but with this, you got to wonder too, right? So this, uh, you know, totally, I, I like where he's headed with this. Um, but is it because he's wants to protect privacy or is it, is he looking out for the interests of the, of the banks, the, the small banks that mm-hmm. are, are, would suffer from a CBDC, right? So that's kind of the, the dynamic you're seeing. Uh, the regular retail banks, uh, but essentially you would think would be opposed to a central bank digital currency. It kind of takes away some of 
the business that they're in. Uh, if, you know, we're getting, if we're getting our dollars essentially directly from the Fed through central bank digital currency. So I'm curious if that's playing a role in, uh, this, you know, this legislation that push forward. Right. Right. But he, he did talk about Bitcoin. I think he mentions Bitcoin. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. He mentions Bitcoin. Pro Bitcoin. Which yeah, is- yeah. He's very much pro Bitcoin. I'm saying, but Monero, right? He also talks about, yeah. he also talks a lot about, uh, being, you know, pro privacy and, you know, uh, yeah. digital cash needs to be private, but he doesn't go so far as to talk about Monero. Yeah. So let's try to get him, get him on the show. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Everybody go in the comments and <laughs> I was emailing, I was emailing with them. We almost got him on and. Oh wow. Last year. Especially when I had just run for Congress, so there was a little bit of a, you know, we had a yeah. little, yeah. Yeah. We'll try again. Yeah. <laughs> um, now let's talk about, so you might think, okay, so he doesn't like a CBDC, but, uh, let's talk about why nobody should like a CBDC. And, um, so this article talks about five ways in which CBDCs could impact the global financial system. So, uh, number one, Digitalization of payments, which is, of course, um, a good thing if it's done in the right way, like Monero, where it's respecting privacy and you have fungibility and scalability and everything. So it's like cash, but digital. This way, it's it's great because, you know, cash is it's dirty and you don't need to carry so much of it every single time. So something like Monero is awesome in, the, in this aspect. So payments will be digital and they should be digital in, in the future, but done the right way. Uh, then they talk about the reduced use of, of cash, um, and cash usage will drop with the introduction of, uh, of CBDCs. And this is, of course, for central banks to monitor cash movements and toward fraud and other criminal activity. They always mention this. Then they also mention increased financial stability, stability, which essentially means that they, they can, um, prohibit people from, uh, committing a bank run. So in ter- when, there's still financial times. People can just withdraw their money, but they're obviously trying to work their ways around that to make it um, harder to do. Um, then they will implement interest interest rate management. Um, then uh, spending limits. So you can spend only so much. And <laughs> it then- starts to get it starts to sound worse and worse as you get out. They can completely control your money. Yeah. You do all your transactions. They Real can program data. it. So you can only use it for certain things. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And negative interest rates. There you go. <laughs> Which means that you need to spend money. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this is something, like I said, this is going to affect the retail banks as well. So you're starting to see this dynamic of yeah. the retail banks that are going to be opposed and, you know, this other force of nature that is pro CBDC. That's, that's where you're really seeing the power play and the split. Yes. But I think, you know, and then you have us too, like, no privacy, but I'm saying the real strength is going to come from people that stand to lose mo- big businesses that stand to lose money from the implementation of EC. Right. And that's where you're going to see the true pushback. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they're going to disguise it as being, you know, that they're pro cash and pro privacy as well. But mm-hmm. that's where we're going to start to see the pushback against you. Well, yeah. Well, actually, um, we had an article on the show a couple of months ago from Russia and um, um, the ministry was actually pushing CBDC while the banks were against CBDC. And the article talked about how one wants it, but the other one doesn't. Exactly. For things like, for reasons that you mentioned. And Ruben wrote in the comments, agree, I'm very sad about the whole move towards uh, cashless. 
Uh, the demonization of cash is disgusting. Yeah, this is all disgusting stuff. Again, I'm, I'm pro uh, cashless if it's something like uh, Monero, because I, I don't like to carry cash and, you know. Yeah, as long as we, as long as we have a replacement, right? That's why we're so, you know, that's yeah. why, that's why we're here. Exactly. Um, that's why you're here. But, yeah. you know, not everybody has access, right? People mm-hmm. deserve access in their, in a free and open society to something like physical cash. Yes, yes, that's all, you know, and a lot of people don't even have a smartphone, so there's many things to it, but negative interest rate that you can save your money, you need to spend your money, you can only spend so much, they surveil it, yeah, so no wonder Tom wants Make it perfect, perfectly tax it, I mean, I don't know, yeah. did it, did it, did it, is that on the list too? That, that should be, uh, uh, right. it certainly makes, uh, knowing what everybody is doing with their money and when, when a transaction is taking easier for the government to determine when they literally have now the ledger sitting in, you know, on a server. Yeah, but they can automatically, automatically tax you. You don't even need to do anything. And then they can just, uh, uh, play with the negative interest rate so that it's higher, it's lower depending on, on what they want. Right. So they can certainly tax you and do whatever they want. But I guess if you like it and you do want to work on the CBDC, you can apply on LinkedIn for a senior application developer uh, for digital currency. This is for the Federal Reserve Bank on, of uh, San Francisco. They'll pay you between 110000 to 176000 uh, to work on it. And within 24 hours, there are 45 anti-Monero, anti-liberty, anti-privacy people, I guess, that uh, applied <laughs> for hmm. position. So... There's one or, or they're double agents and they're looking to sabotage, you know, you, you never know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. But they were talking about how, in the article, how major economies across the world test CBDCs and India onboarded 50,000 users and 5,000 merchants to test out its recently launched digital rupee. You know how they've done that? They've taken away a lot of the cash in circulation. So people are actually forced to use the CBDC. And we talked about Nigeria, they're doing the same. Uh, taking cash away and then pushing their Inaira, which has only 0.5% uh, usage of their CBDC. So, yeah, this we onboarded so many people to CBDC. We took their cash away, so they didn't have anything. <laughs> and I wrong. will say, though, and I've said this before, I, I do think you will see adoption essentially by mandate through pressure. You know, oh, you want to get that um, that check in the mail, the rebate check that everybody's getting because of the bad economy? Well, you'll get whatever, 25% more if you accept it in the form of CBDC, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. All right, all right. Why would I say no to that? I, yeah. you know, I got to feed my family and, you know, and it's not their problem, right? So the government has this ability to force, essentially force their, their, they have every incentive to do so. I mean, look what we saw with COVID, right? They, one of the things that came out of COVID was everybody now uses QR codes. QR codes were around forever, right? But nobody really was like, there was never broad adoption, especially, I mean, here in the U.S., like, it really was not adopted. And post, post-COVID, post boom, it's like you go to a restaurant, it's like, oh, where's, you know, like, my, yeah. you know, you, my parents now are, like, QR coding. Like, so, you know, so to, to say, you know, to look at uh, the adoption now of CBDCs where it's first launching and to assume, like, oh, people aren't going to take it. Uh, you know, if COVID and any other things we've seen in the past with how governments have this ability to push things on people is mm-hmm. evidence. It's, we're we're going to see it with seats for sure. For sure. People yeah. will take it. Most people don't care. Oh, it's more money. Just like with the, the stimulus check. Oh, it's extra money. It's just extra money. It's not going to hurt the economy right. in any way. Yeah. And potentially, to, you know, it's adding a lot of convenience to your life, right? It's all those things, you know? Um, and so, yes. and there's going to be, you know, 
commer- just like you see commercials and public messages nonstop of why you need to get vaccinated every every two weeks. I mean, there's going to be similar things like, you know, you're going to see it on public public messages like reminding you, you should use CBDCs. <laughs> like, it's it's going to happen, right? That, that's going to be the push. It's like Windows. Whenever I go, I use Linux, but whenever I go back into Windows, you want Windows 11? No. Are you sure? Okay, but <laughs> you should really use it. Not really. Okay, well, one more time. It's They're going to do it like this. They will push the masses. For sure. Just like the IMF is helping Jordan's uh, central bank for implementing a retail CBDC. And we each week it's a new country. We talked about Oman. We talked about Russia. We talked about uh, uh, Turkey. So all the countries would essentially want a, a CBDC. And uh, there's one thing that I wanted to mention. Yes. So the RCBDC, which is um, Jordan's uh, potential CBDC, may offer some benefits, but it does not necessarily address pain points. What are the pain points? Low financial literacy, okay? And the second is a persistent cash culture Mm -hmm. are among the pain points an RCBDC would not address. Um, Yeah, so Jordan is, uh, I think, uh, using a lot of uh, cash. They have a permanent persistent cash culture. It's it's a cultural problem. How do we have a cultural issue? These people seem to like liberty. How do we we destroy that? (laughs) It's going to be a real problem for CBDCs. Yeah, it's a pain point. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So sad. Yeah, oh. It's crazy. All right. And, um, oh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, Trocador. Just one more thing, guys. If, okay. uh, in case you don't like all of this, well, guess what? You can simulate rates via API, create trades, check transactions, use their non-payment gateway solution, create invoices with their payment generator, all through the invisible internet project which is a networking layer that allows for anonymous uh, peer-to-peer communications. And Trocador now has it. So they added it to, or they added yeah. So very cool. Oh, um, and supposedly it's, it's faster than Tor, right? Uh, we, they're, they're a part of a adoption alley at Monero That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, nice. awesome. beautiful. Awesome. Gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you just, want to uh, bring? We'll do the viewers on stage. Ruben up. Yeah. Back up. We'll do, we'll do the viewers on stage. I think. Wait, Tony, you have something you have else, something to, say? else you wanna... to say? Yeah, two more things. So first, for people watching, if you want to check check out the links, they're in the description, so you can check them out and read them for your own. And then second, I think my code should work now. So if you want, yes, to I do. Like, yeah. Tony. So work now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Promo code Tony. <laughs> yeah. So people will forget, <laughs> but it works now. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Perfect. All righty. Okay. okay. Thank you, All right, man. Appreciate it. Yes. We'll stick around again. Yeah, we'll do viewers on stage. Yep. So there's questions in the audience for Vero. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Anybody else that wants to jump up, now's the so, time. What do you to think? Request Are we going to see uh, CBDCs built on top of Fira? Ruben. Can you hear me? Or built with fear? It's <laughs> <That's laughs> right. a bit soft. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Yeah, let's see if anybody has a fear. So what, what do you think, man? Are we going to see uh, CBDCs built on top of Fira? Or uh, built with I, d- I think that's like super <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> I mean, I think the whole point of CBDC mm-hmm. is control and we are like permissionless. So, yeah, I mean, very unlikely. Uh, I mean, we, we are speaking to like some of my state government that may be interested in some stuff, but, uh, 
we're trying oh. to go down the voting way. Uh, but yeah, I can't really hear you. Hang on. I'm trying to figure out how to make this audio. Hmm. You can't hear me? Maybe it's me on my end. Sorry? Should be good, though. Maybe it's, maybe it's me. Can, can other people hear me? I'm getting thumbs up from Lip. Uh, I don't yeah, know. log off the stream, yeah. yeah. Let me log okay, yeah, yeah, log, log off. And... Let me try to rejoin. I'll be back shortly because <laughs> I can't really hear anyone. Yeah, that works sometimes when you rejoin. Yeah. Lip, what's going on, man? Oh, what's going on, Doug? What's going on? Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? So y'all got a couple of things I was looking at. All right, how you doing, though, Doug? Good, good. Go for it. What do you got? All right, let me hop in my notes. Give me one sec. Oh, man, taking notes. <laughs> All right, so do you want to start with CBDs? Yeah, whatever you, whatever you got, and we'll uh, we'll discuss. See if people have uh, right. things to say about it. Go First ahead. question, then: How do y'all feel? What do y'all think the CBD will look like? What it will look like? Uh, well, all right. So I throw some things out there just so you could add on top of that. Uh, non-disclosure fee, not non-disclosure. Uh, I have customers, and they in their service. And what I'm seeing is they have like this chip that could be like embedded in like your skin. And it basically will be like the all-in-one app with the CBD, your banking, your virtual ID. It will be all that in one. And then it's like a barcode type of chip, NFC chip type of. Yeah, I mean that could be the ultimate, uh, you know, outcome. I, I give you the best uh, <laughs> mental image. Then uh, I, I'm liking my 26s and everything. But uh, if you ever heard of Futurama, it was like a series like Family Guy, and basically yeah, like h- how it started was to work and. You had all of that information in your, you know, by your thumb. So I see that like kind of in the making. And it's like once you give a camel an inch, it would take a mile. So I want to see how they want to implement it, I guess. That is, yeah, important. I mean, that, that is, you know, that that's the concern, man. I think you're touching upon why we like literally, talk, you know, we talk about it every week on the show is because uh, it is the ultimate path toward toward dystopia right so whether you know how long it takes for us to get to that point where it's you know digital id combined with cbdc's and you know essentially implanted in in every person when when if we get there i do not know but uh we're already the initial movement towards it is scary enough where if they can just track and trace 99.9 percent of society's transactions at all times seamlessly and control how they use their money and turn people on and off uh, the system, that is that is terrifying. All right, so are y'all familiar with Rosie Rio? Rosie Rio? No, I don't believe so. Okay, so she's a treasure, and uh, if somebody takes the time to pull some money out of their pocket, I say if we got like about 32, 33 people in this chat right now, somebody could pull some money out of their pocket, and if American money. And if you look in the left-hand corner around where it says this is a legal tender for all debts, public and private, one of the treasurer names is Rosie Rio. So now I'm bringing her up now because she signed about a trillion dollars in our current supply of money. Now, she has a job now with this company named Ripple. All right, I even say this. Biden, he just made the treasurer, uh, he just swore in a new treasurer head, and he used to work for Ripple. So what I'm seeing is they're getting all these people in the feds. Now, the only way I can see they could use that as a positive is if whatever money that goes to being taxed, if we could see what they do with our money publicly, then that would help us to see how they spend our money. Like if everybody's getting taxed money right now, I did check. Right. And we can't see where that money goes. That's kind of a problem. 
So I feel like they should use that technology on them to be transparent to help us. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be used the other way around. But, uh, go ahead. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, you know, traceable. So they got a trace, free trace, traceable crypto for, for governments and Monero for the people and, uh, you know, let people uh, naturally adopt whatever currency they want to use and mandate that governments have to use a perfectly traceable crypto for their purposes. Does sound like a, a great ideal to strive towards. Let me, uh, let me, let me let Ruben, uh, chime in here since he's our special guest this week. Hello. Hi. Can, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're good now. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I, I lost the first part of the question because I, I was grabbing my headphones and just gave up, but yeah, we we're talking about CBDCs, right? And yeah. We're, we're talking about CBDCs and the ultimate outcome. I don't know. If, do you have any insight in, you know, what <clears throat> tech governments are looking to build on? You know, uh, like Lip was saying, Ripple seems to be a, a common name that comes up when we talk about, uh, governments using existing cryptos for, for building their CBDCs. I don't see the reason why people would want to use like existing cryptos, right? I mean, like, sure, even whether like even blockchain technology is the right thing. I mean, there's, there's, I guess, other like decentralized ledger technologies, right? That are much more scalable and whatnot. Cause I don't know if, I don't know if it's like decentralization isn't, I would call it, I wouldn't call it a goal of CBDCs, right? So <laughs> as long as it's redundant enough, right? There's, there's no need for like, decentralization so I, th- I definitely think that maybe even like blockchains might not be the the most ideal solution out there but i mean like I mean, this of course like varying degrees of understanding of cbdc's right there are a lot of especially countries like mine uh where i guess understanding of digital currencies is always tied into crypto and and like blockchain right without realizing like well you know not not all decentralized ledger technologies are blockchain. So like, uh, you know, I've been, I've been also like in talks with, with certain people who are in touch with the government and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, even now our Malaysian government's also looking at CBDCs and talking about blockchain and all of that. And I, many other third world countries, especially like in Africa and whatnot, some of them also looking at CBDCs. And I feel like the, a lot of the time is driven more, more of like, we want, to look that we are ahead, right? Like we want to be, we want to be in AI, we want to be in like, you know, uh, blockchain and, and look all cool and stuff when there's actually very little understanding at the decision maker level and whatnot. And that's where I feel where uh, maybe some blockchains would actually, um, be, be used to make a CBDC. But I feel like with the major countries, they, they probably wouldn't use like Ripple or something like that. I mean, that's just my thought. I've, you know, no, no, no opinions on, you know, whether Ripple is the right platform or not. But, uh, it's, I, I just think that it's so unlikely, uh, if they can easily build their own CBDC, right? But I think what I'm personally concerned about is that, you know, like <clears throat> money has always been a weapon, but now with CBDCs, the access to financial uh, stuff is, is actually weaponized, right? And, and it's very scary. Like I, I have a friend, uh, in, in Singapore, right? And obviously, you know, I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but what he told me was like, uh, you know, his spouse was actually kind of, uh, <clears throat> charged with, uh, 
with uh, some sort of like a uh, financial financial crime, but it's not even like they're not even proven guilty, right? So it's just like still under trial and whatnot. And you know now they are being de like not de platformed. It's not the right word, but they are being cut off from the financial system. Like you know, they all the bank accounts have got closed, the, the mortgage got closed, and whatnot. And I'm thinking, well, you know, banks already can do that. I feel like CBDCs are even scarier, right? We saw what happened to Canadian truckers, and this is really a weapon to retain control. How can you? That's why I always see it like, like in the US, you know, they always thought, well, you know, we must, must retain the right to retain, uh, to, to bear arms because we need to rise up against our government, right? Well, that's kind of useless if, yeah, you know, you, you can get cut off from the financial system and then where are you going to buy shit, right? So I think it goes hand in hand and I, I hope people recognize that, right? Like don't fight just for, for, for guns and, but, but you, you got to fight for, for money too. <laughs> I think it's even more vital for money. Yeah. 100% man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more subtle, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's not something people pick on as, as fast. It's not as obvious in your face of, of what nefarious outcomes it can lead to when, you know, we're all using a traceable fiat, uh, that's in digital form that is programmable by the government. Uh, Adon shop. What's going on, man? Yeah. Any comments? Oh, um, I don't really have any comments about the CBD stuff. So I just have some questions for Ruben, but I can also wait. Uh, anybody else want to throw CBDC stuff? Yeah, I wanted to, I just wanted to point one thing out that, um, I think it's important to keep in mind when we're talking about insiders and power players, it's easy to think, well, these are, it's like one monolithic entity, right? But the reality is that we have power players in all different sectors. There's probably like financial insiders that are trying to, um, use crypto for stable coins and kind of make that quasi CBDC where they're um, like, for example, like I said, Fidelity is, is trying to back USDC with a money market account, which is backed by reverse repos of the Fed, which isn't, which really isn't the same thing as like a hardcore government CBDC. But, um, you know, then we also have these other forces, you know, people probably like, um, Oh, what's that? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, who would probably love a CBDC. Right. So you get these power players like when something new, a new technology comes up, they're always like trying, struggling to be the one to take control of it. Um, so we've, we've probably got like these multiple influences from from multiple angles. It's like, well, if they can't get their like full, heavy, total totalitarian CBDC in place, well, then maybe they'll just find a way to kind of co-opt the crypto eco- uh, ecosystem with different kinds of stable coins. And, and maybe they'll like expand their KYC on uh, in that regard. So I just wanted to point out that, um, you know, we're still kind of like in this phase where they're probably trying to figure out exactly what they want to do and they're attacking it from multiple angles. Very good point. Very good point. Anon Shop. Go ahead, man. Oh, um, hi, Ruben. I just want to say shout out to Fyro. I spent like, all, like hours last night researching the work y'all have done and y'all are definitely, um, punching out of your weight class when it comes to the amount of research you guys have posted and it's actually beautiful to see. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And um reading through that research, I have I have like a list of like fifteen questions, but I'll just pick one. I, okay. I saw that I saw that y'all did your um ASIC resistance mining algorithm. Y'all chose oh God, one that yes. yeah. <laughs> y'all y'all chose one that was GPU resistant versus something like CPU resistant that Monero has. Would you mind mm-hmm. explaining why you chose um to target GPUs over CPUs, for example? Sure. Um, so, so first of all, I mean, like, you know, the MTP research was kind of like a dud. We spent a lot of time and money on it. 
and we didn't really get the, the the desired properties that we wanted. And in a way, I think we were doing something that wasn't in our field of expertise because someone who designs mining algorithms should also be very not just conversant with cryptography, but also with hardware design mm-hmm. and the and the and the cryptographer. So okay, let me I'll skip over that because we're running out of time. But you can ask me personally later. But why we chose GPUs is at the time actually Firo actually started as a CPU mineable coin, and it was intended to be CPU mineable only. But what happened is that we got raped really really hard by uh, people doing. Like cloud, using cloud mining credits, which I don't know. I think it probably got them illegitimately. I mean, I even had some of my friends saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got this thing," and then they were like mining the crap out of it, and and they, even like some of the pools were saying, "Yeah, I know it's very cl- clear that some of these were botnets and stuff like that." And what I know, like you know, Monero is kind of like, yeah, you know, a kind of a uh, partial to to botnets. But I felt that look, the whole goal of it was to. The whole goal of it is for fair distribution, right? The idea is that, you know, you, you don't want to, to, uh, you, you put in a X number of resources, you are going to be on the equal playing field with other people as well. So yeah, of course you put in more, you get more, but at the same rate as other people. But I found, I, I felt that botnets were an unfair, an unfair advantage, right? Because only a few people have it and it's a, it's like you're using other people's resources and getting it. And also, you know, when we saw all this cloud mining being abused by us, uh, by on our, our platform, we were like, oh man, this is really bad. And that time, maybe it's changed right now, but the idea was that, you know, you couldn't, back then you couldn't really easily rent GPU power to uh, to, to mine, and even if you did, like, you know, you went to Nice Hash or some mining rig renter, you were renting it at the premium versus what you could do by mining yourself. So you're not getting any sort of unfair advantage. And they, I'm probably, they probably are GPU based botnets, but most of them aren't because, you know, they target server farms and stuff like that. Maybe now with the rise of AI and all this sort of stuff, they might be more GPU farms and for botnets to, to take advantage of. But the idea was that we felt that GPU was a more fair distribution uh, mechanism uh, compared to CPUs back then. Obviously, the the situation might have changed, but I still think that uh, you know Monero is in a unique situation where there is a symbiosis between the botnet runners and the and the function of Monero, right? Like a lot of the botnet runners will probably also run ransomware, make it a very huge, uh, you know, like like. Oversimplification and and like you know putting all in one category, but there is a natural symbiosis where if I'm gonna run, uh, if I'm gonna do like ransomware, I want to use Monero, right? And and I I'm probably gonna use botnets. So I'm I it's in my interest for Monero to keep going. So there's a nice loop there. Obviously, you know there's not a great narrative in terms of <laughs> how it looks, but uh, yeah, it works. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Oh yeah, thank you. That that was yeah. an amazing answer. I never considered the impact of botnets and that symbiotic um, relationship. That that's amazing. Do, do I have time for one more, or should I let the open the floor up? No, man, this uh, is let, great. Oh, this, this is, is great. Yeah, this is great. Keep going. Yeah. Oh yeah. I also, um, you mentioned doing this interview about funding. How you say you mm-hmm. right now you have a dev tax. You eventually hope to go to a more yes. donation base. Do you see that being the best solution? I mean, in the past, Monero has has had issues around paying. Mm-hmm. Cryptographers, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Serang issue. Very familiar. 
I mean, Sarang is working with us, right? So, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. for a time, we we had Sarang full-time on us, which also produced a lot of the the great research that we have here, of course, together with our own cartographer, Aram. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I saw that, like, yes, you know, I think... I'm actually not very sure. This is a very hard question to think because everyone's like, oh, yeah, donation is the only, like, way to go. And I, I feel that... It has its own issues. Obviously, it means that less targets and stuff. And right now, actually, the majority of of uh, of our funds now is from donation because uh, Justin uh, from uh, who also works with Cake uh, uh, helped us set up set us up with a magic fund. And someone uh, a company called Arcadia gave like a two hundred k US dollar uh, donation to it that it was uh, tax tax free. So so I. I see the benefit of it, but you know, it's hard to consistently rely on, uh, handouts and it's very hard to plan. It's very hard to, to, to give developers and cryptographers the stability, which is, I think, one of the reasons why Surround, you know, could, uh, you know, didn't want to continue using the, the, the CCS. I think he's quite happy doing his research, not bothering stuff like that. So I think there's pros and cons, but eventually I do hope that, you know, we want to, to move to, like, you know, I want to just get rid of the, the core funding. Hopefully there'll be something like quadratic funding, which is what we are kind of exploring things. But a lot of the voting mechanisms of funding is are just kind of rigged whereby, like, oh, you know, I, I, I totally don't believe in coin voting. It's just like, oh, yeah, the rich get to save what everyone thinks. But I think quadratic funding or where some sort of this matching I think Gitcoin is an interesting mechanism. I wouldn't say perfect, but I think that's the kind of like funding governance, governance mechanism that we are looking at and interested to do rather than pure coin voting or pure donations and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, I'm just a steward if the community decides what not, but I think it's important to, to be cognizant that, you know, while donations on the philosophical standpoint is great, on the practical standpoint, you know, that's really tough for if you want people to work on the privacy coin and already put themselves at risk and again, have an inconsistent source of income, uh, which, you know, is subject to like, you know, with the, with the funding, I think Monero has seen his own share of drama and ding dong here and there. And like, you know, just sometimes you just don't want to deal with it, right? You just want to do your works and. I think that's a fair fair point to make. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ruben. Uh, yeah. If I heard you right, uh, didn't you say something about a Dex? Yes. Yes. Uh, we we have something called the Atomic Dex, so we should well, interesting. You yeah, got my attention. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best. Uh, it's order book based. Uh, obviously, there's no like centralized servers. You know, anyone can spin up one of those. It's actually currently working uh, with. With, uh, like, I think the, the Atomic Dex team is being done by Komodo. We have an official kind of like arrangement with them to do like our own branded stuff and remove any sort of weird zero restrictions. Personally, I, uh, of course, we also have basic swap decks with Particle, which is, of course, I think in early stage, but again, very promising and I think privacy preserving at the standpoint. But I feel that Atomic Swap Base, which is great in the sense that it's, you know, cross-change base and you know, you can maybe get like a transaction done within like 15 minutes, which isn't bad when you consider like, you know, depositing the sex and all that, all that sort of stuff. But it has its own limitations where you kind of have to be on for 15 minutes. You know, it's hard for a regular community user to provide liquidity because 
who has time to go and manage like, you know, market maker bots and stuff like that. So I find personally, Sarai is a very interesting uh, model whereby, you know, they're going to do AMM and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, we are still looking at other options as well. But what we have right now is Atomic Dex or, you know, Fero Dex, which is basically Fero branded Atomic Dex. Not the best, but it works today with a decent experience. This, you know, good liquidity on the Fuero BTC pair also allows us to bridge uh, between the Binance pack Fuero on the Binance Smart Chain uh, thing and into native Fuero. So some people can, you know, go on PancakeSwap, get some Fuero BEP20 and swap it almost one-to-one on Fuero DAX uh, with very little slippage. So... I think I see it as a tool, uh, you know, obviously we are, exp- you know, doing, approaching it from multiple different, uh, approaches. Uh, but yeah, we do have something working right now. <laughs> yeah. Very right, cool. Very cool. Yeah. No, no, no. That was good. That was good. Anybody else? And, uh, then I think I got to wrap it up. I got to continue on with my non crypto life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> making dinner for friends tonight. Um, but yeah, anybody else? All right. Ruben, thank you so much, man. Uh, I hope thank you, you so I much for having me. Yeah. I did. It's now 2.20 a.m. <laughs> oh, God. <shit. laughs> Forgot about that. You're on the other side of the world. Uh, look, look forward to hanging out with you, man, in person down at Monerotopia. I'm excited for that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, if, if any of you have any questions, just, just, you know, ping me on, on, on Twitter. I'll be happy to, you know, we can talk over whatever, uh, and chat more. So thanks, guys. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Anybody who's just kind of discovering this space for the first time, we do this every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. We do the Monero Topia show. We always have a new special guest. We do news. We do price report. Uh, Anon Shop uh, recently was added to the team, and he does a, a dev report every week. So tune in live every week. Uh, and also check out Monerotopia.com, where we're selling tickets to a Monero conference that's taking place in Mexico City in May. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Anon Shop. Thank you, Body, so much. Ruben, thank you. Lip, thanks as always for, for stopping in. Cheers, everyone. Peace. Tony, thank you for the news, man. Amazing as always. Later. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.